Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, Happy New Year's! Happy New Year! I'm ready to discuss with you my top 10 favorite episodes of 2018. <laughs> well, I did watch about 10 in the last two days, but that's because that's like the only time episodes were available in 2018. And I have, ma- I have I have strong feelings about several of them. Actually, I'm I have surprisingly strong feelings, mostly not positive, about the TV I've yeah. watched so far in 2018. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten off to an okay start. Not a great start. Okay, you've watched better TV than I have this year. Then <laughs> I guess. I well, mean, I, I did yeah. watch a really good independent lens installment. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and there's obviously there's the good place which we love, but um, yes. mostly I watched a bunch of not very enticing premieres, uh, and we will talk more about that. And and a lot, we watched a lot of really terrific TV, but I watched it last year, and just we're yeah. talking about it now. So go now. Like, yeah. Yeah. Lots of interesting TV this week. Lots of premieres this week. Also this week, Noel, we're doing our winter TV preview, which should be pretty fun. It should be. Um, I I've only seen a couple of the things that are premiering like either later this month or into March. Yeah. So yeah, it's it'll be exciting to discover things. Well, I'm there's certainly uh, a number of shows that I'm very excited to have them coming back. Uh, one of our favorites of the year is coming back very soon. From last year, I should say, favorites of 2017 is coming back very soon. And uh, there's some other ones that I I think. I hope will be good, and at least one of them you've seen, and you will tell me. So I'm looking forward to that later in the show. Uh, but we should get into our, our week in TV because knowing us, our preview is going to go long. So we should just dive right in. Yes. I oh, think that's a good idea. We can't. We can't because there's one very important bit of TV news that we must discuss, Noel, that you told me okay. about, and I'm super excited about, which is. Uh, Kieran Shipka um, has been cast as Sabrina in the Netflix grimdark version of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, Did you oh, just, you didn't know it was like a grimdark Yeah, I just like thing. deflated yeah. in front of, of, of yeah. Noel here. No, it's, it's, a, it's an edgier take on the Sabrina material. No, no. Yeah, no, it's just adapted no. from, what was the graphic uh, novel that uh, they're adapting it from? Hang on. I was so excited, listeners. I was, like, giddy at the thought of getting to see Kieran Shipka be, like, bubbly, fun Sabrina. And then... Oh, yeah, no, that's not happening. Oh, um, I was no, like, it's based on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina's comic. Um, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, no, this is a darker, more macabre version of Sabrina. And we're incredibly excited for the people to see Kieran and make this iconic character her own. And that's uh, the Archie uh, Comics Chief Creative Officer, uh, Roberto Agaro Sacasa, who spearheaded a lot of the uh, Riverdale adaptation as well. If that gives you any indication of sort of the tone that maybe we should expect. Um, But, yeah, it's got a 20-episode order over at Netflix that will premiere sometime later this year. I was so excited, and then I just, I don't, oh God. okay, so I'm still very excited about Kieran Shipka being on my TV again, because she's fabulous. 
She uh, is. She's amazing. And so pretty much anything that she was going to be doing, I was be excited about. But like the fact that it, see, they say grim or they say like gritty, and I just hear bleak and depressing and boring. So hopefully I will be wrong, but. That's not very exciting. I don't think to me. there'll be a talking cat this time. That's kind of snarky about everything. I would love to watch Kate and Shipka act off of a talking cat. Like I, I think we all would. <sighs> okay, let us know, listeners, how you feel about this because I found myself with no opinion to a very strong opinion very quickly. To another very strong. <laughs> yes, to a very different strong opinion in just the ma- a matter of moments. So, oh well. Do you have any thoughts on this, Noel? Uh, I wasn't particularly interested in this um, prior to this casting, and now I'm vaguely interested in seeing this, regardless of the fact that it's a darker, more macabre version of Sabrina. Um, Mainly because I think she can carry it. Yeah. So, we'll see. Okay. Well, on that, you know, anti-climax of a exciting (laughs) news announcement leading into our week in tv here let's take a break listen to a little music a little more i need a little upbeat energy here so let's let's take a music break and we'll come back with our week in comedy and reality right after this comedy and reality Noel and i are talking about the a bunch of premieres pretty much all premieres we're talking about the series premiere of la to vegas which you know is its pilot then we have the grownish premiere late registration and bitch don't kill my vibe then we have the good place mid-season premiere leap into faith and the amazing race premiere for season 33-0. You're a champion. Prove it. Uh, we'll round things out with some Top Chef Colorado conversation. Um, they had during our end of year hiatus sort of thing. They had uh, keep on trucking, little tools, big challenge, and this is not glamping. So uh, we'll talk a little Top Chef. But first up is Ellie to Vegas, Noel. And you didn't really care about talking about this one, but I said I watched it, so I'm gonna talk about it. Because it's so bad. And it's so many good actors just being so bad. Like, I was watching this with my sister. And I don't know anything about the writers. I don't know anything about the directors. I don't know anything about the editors or the executives or the producers or anything. But what did my sister and I say? turn and say to each other? Who do you suppose wrote this? A white cishet dude? Who do you suppose directed and produced and greenlit this? Some white dude? Like... It's not funny. So, like, who thought it was funny to have a, a kid and his dad high five? Oh, we got to see boobs in the airport. High five, dude! Like, it's not funny. It's just stupid and such a waste of so many more talented individuals. Like, how how does LA to Vegas happen, Noel? Uh, because Fox is desperate. Is very very desperate. 
Yeah, um, it stinks yeah. of desperate. It does, and it stinks of like a bygone era development type of thing. It was like this is something that's sort of been a, a kicking around for like I would at least say fifteen years because it feels very early aughts single cam mm-hmm. comedy sort of edginess um that you wouldn't be able to necessarily get away with because of its whole subject matter of people on an airplane having hijinks um yeah it's hilarious when the pilot gets drunk before takeoff that's so funny yeah uh but it was only it was only tonic water a little bit a little bit um yeah it's it's very it feels very stale as much as and your point about the cast is really well taken because i like dermot um which Dermot is this? Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> no, no, that's the other one. No, yeah, Dylan McDermott. That's this who it Dylan is. Dylan McDermott. Yeah. The other McDermott does actually show up later, I think. Um, <laughs> in Based on, like, the endless ad spots I saw for this while watching The Exorcist. Um, okay. But, yeah, no, Dylan McDermott's very funny in this, but he's got, like, just terrible material. And you could see that if he had better material, he'd be even better in this, I think. Yeah. If they Go do ahead. seriously do a Dylan McDermott Dermot Rooney episode, I will watch that. Yeah, no, I legitimately think that's happening. Okay, I will. I will absolutely watch that. But like, yeah, like when he does this movie. T- okay, so listeners, if you don't know, and you shouldn't, because you shouldn't watch this show because it's not funny. Um, this is about a group of uh frequent flyers who go from L.A. to Vegas each week. And the the pilot and the air stewards, stewardesses, uh, uh, flight attendants, sorry, that's the appropriate term, um, who work that shift. So there are certain regulars who fly to Vegas each week to work or to, to, to do, go to the casinos for whatever reasons. Um, and so they're going to be seeing each other. There's certain bits that the, you know, they will clearly return to. Um, there's a gambler who like takes bets on everything. There is a stripper who try- gets money if she recruits um, newbies to come strip. So like that. I promise certain- I'm not trapping you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sex crime jokes. Yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, there's a. It's just so incredibly broad. There isn't a single joke you don't see coming. Yeah. A solid 10, 20, 30 seconds ahead. And it's only a 22 minute show. So the entire, like the, the, the trying to be like Hugh Grant as hard as a person has ever tried to be Hugh Grant, a love interest, like the right, that's what the writers are going for, which is why they cast the actor whose name I don't remember from the Mindy project. Who's very good. Who does the best you can with that character. Like, that entire beat of him as the love interest for for one of the flight attendants, like, even just down to the name of the flight attendant, who is Ronnie. Her name is Ronnie. Like, the whole thing is very stale. It's very predictable. And it's not interesting at all. The fact that, that they're able to get some jokes out of, like, the Muay Thai takedown, just some of the silliness is impressive. But, like, how... And the Why? thing is, is like the entire premise has a lot of potential, I feel like, in that mm-hmm. this feels very much like your point of like, we have a number of regulars who just make this sort of um, make this flight every weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and then you have a different cat, ca- cast of guest folks who show up for to have like one or two particular stories that get resolved. And the idea of this just always almost taking entirely 
in the airport or on the plane is really interesting, I think. And it reminds me a lot of like early season one sort of sitcom in the 70s, 80s, where you were always just in one location and guest stars just came in to spur the action on. And I like that concept. I like that idea of it being in an airplane because you're trapped there for two hours and Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? But immediately, like the pilot just goes... Oh, we don't really have anything for you. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay. Well, at least your cast is deeply committed to this not good material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's what they like they said like we said, like everyone I've I recognize in this cast, I've enjoyed in many other things. Yeah. They all are good. But there's only so much you can do with this material. I've seen, you know, certain critics that I uh, usually respect and really appreciate their opinions and perspectives and stuff say it's actually a really fun show. I don't know how it must really improve in the next few episodes um, because this is not a good premiere. Um, So I will check in for that Dermot Mulroney, Dylan McDermott episode. And if it's better than yay, let us know listeners. If like, this is just a fluke, but they are able to take a really good cast and make magic out of it after a really bad pilot script that somebody liked that they filmed to get the show picked up. Sure. Let us know. But I mean, are you going to check in again? Or do, am I being harsher on this than you are? <laughs> I think you're being a little harsher than I am. Um, but I don't, I, I'm probably like circle back to it for like a couple more episodes, maybe. Um, but I'm I have like zero expectations of it improving. Yeah, a show I do have expectations of it improving though is Grownish, and I say that they had their premiere late registration and and bitch don't kill my vibe, and I actually thought it was a rather painful pilot. Despite oh God, it's such a bad pilot. Yeah, a oh, really likable cast, painful. but yeah. Well, and go please continue. It is. I'm sure it's the same reason, but at least number one, that voiceover does not work at all. Right. And I, I, I don't mind the direct address. I actually sort huh. of like the direct address. I don't need the voiceover if you're going to give me the direct address. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the reason why late registration is just so terrible um, is because it's literally, here's each of our characters. Here's a vignette of those characters. Here's the next vignette. Here's another vignette. And it's just like, oh my God, you have eight characters. I don't need this. <laughs> and it's really agonizing and then there's the whole breakfast club riff which is telegraphed and is just like right here front and center by the end of the episode and it's just like oh guys no please be your own thing please be your own thing you're gonna get enough of a different world sort of uh comparisons please don't do the breakfast club oh you're gonna do the breakfast club okay be better in the next episode <laughs> <laughs> it so that's is. sort of and it is. It's much better in the second episode than it is in the first episode because suddenly everyone has their own little things to do and we're splitting off and we're like having character beats outside of here's 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 all our characters and here why here's why they're fun and unique. Mm-hmm. So. I also like I don't believe the central tension of the first episode at all. Like I no, don't believe do I. that Zoe would do what this terrible thing that she's shown to do in this episode. First of all, because we've seen her not do that last season on Blackish, that like exact same situation it was with Junior, but still, we've seen her not make that choice, and I don't believe anything about that situation changing her core belief. Like that, she, that's the kind of thing. If she left Anna there, she could Anna could have easily 
been raped. She could have died. She could have got like from alcohol poisoning. Like she was like seriously the just the amount of alcohol we saw her drinking. As someone who clearly hasn't had, you know, she doesn't have a tolerance or anything like that. That could be a lethal amount of alcohol. So like you were supposed to believe that Zoe would go with a new friend to a party and then uh, leave that friend there to die, get raped. Who knows what else? Like, not for a second do I believe that. And that's, like, her instigating, like, oh, no, am I a bad person? It's my first test in the real world. And I feel like... And then they, they manufacture this drama then to just resolve it in the very next episode, which... Yeah, they should have just started <laughs> with the second episode. Yeah, no, I agree. Because the second episode sets up also, like, a continuing story for them to explore with the Adderall addiction which is yeah. significant which is really interesting and significantly more interesting than the oh I made another friend of these many other friends I just introduced to you two 20 minutes ago yeah um, not that these will be the people that she based on the voiceover state that her roommate is someone that she'll stay in touch with later on unlike the other eight people <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there's this the threat of the Adderall addiction I think is really compelling and really interesting and a nice sort of uh plot line for them to carry through which obviously will involve Bo coming and being like I'm a doctor and a mom and this is not okay but I'm excited to see that play out and I'm excited to see how this influences her as this uh young woman who is used to being the big fish in a very small pond and suddenly not being that yeah, I it I buy it so much more. Yeah, for Zoe, yeah. like absolutely, and her being so awkward and high schooly, she was yes. she was so such a star in her high school, and she was such a big fish, like you said, big fish small pond, that I totally buy her go, getting out into the actual real world and being completely insecure and like you. She's the one who was always so supremely confident on Blackish, but that's because she was in a very nice happy bubble. And as soon as she had, like, I've seen that. I'm sure you have as well. People who who are like that, who are you think are going to be the golden child and when they get out into the real world. And then that's the first time they actually have to deal with people who aren't impressed with them. People who don't just, like, already know them or know their family and know that they're brilliant or whatever. Um, and really make mistakes other people made in high school like other people dealt with in high school and in middle school um so i like th- there's a lot i think that works well for the character and for the other for like setting up the world in that second episode i was very surprised when the way the episode second episode ends and the, the notion that the, like, the adderall thing is going to continue i did not expect that i think that's a good sign for us to come um i am less fond of the voiceover than you are i think like i don't know that Yara Shahidi is uh, as compelling or as believable in her voiceover as Anthony Anderson is over on Blackish, or like that one glorious Tracy Ellis Ross episode we got. Um, yes. But otherwise, I think she does does a pretty good job. I don't believe her for a second when she's like crying in the first episode either. It was like, mm, no, not yet. Yeah. Yeah, Shahidi does a terrific job most of the time, but I don't think she's quite uh, that range yet. So hopefully, she'll get yeah. there. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with all that. So, yeah. But anyway, so hopefully that will improve. Certainly, they have a good, an interesting set of characters, enough uh, range of different perspectives and like stuff that they can draw on that I think it should be fun. So we'll see. I'm going to keep watching. Yeah. You can keep watching? Yeah, no, I'm going to keep watching. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm, cool. I'm excited we'll, we'll... to keep watching. Actually, so I mean, Freeform's development slate, even though this was developed for ABC initially, but then tossed over to Freeform, um, shows a lot of promise. I think based on this, but also like based on Bold Type last year, mm-hmm. um, as they sort of shift out of the ABC family and also to a certain extent shift out of like Pretty Little Lot, Pretty Little Liars esque yeah. type of programming. Okay. Well, let's move on to our next show. It's one that. I'm very excited about. It. I'm sure you are as well. Um, now, listeners, we as as screeners hashtag screener privilege have access to three. I watched all three. Have you seen all three yet? I'm not allowed to watch all three. Okay, okay, that's right. Your yeah. person won't let you, and I respect that. Um, yeah. so so you we okay. So we've both seen the premiere. Um, I this is what I will say to preview the other two. They're very good, and I okay. particularly like the end beat uh the like the little button the way that they end the third episode here so episode 10 in two weeks so okay. more on that when we get to it um but let's uh and, and also like structurally for some things for the season so more on that when we get to it you guys are in, enjoy next week and the week after um we have for this week though the premiere leap into faith um so as supposed to leap of faith how did you like this premiere I really appreciated it, and I had a lot of fun with it. Even mm-hmm. if I also sort of just went, I don't really, I never really felt compelled by the idea that Michael would suddenly betray them because he's getting this promotion. Yeah. Um, not only because of how they've progressed his character over the past seven episodes, but also because it's sort of the end of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they end up getting uh, their brains scooped out and then their skin peeled off just for fun and <laughs> all sorts of like various tortures. Um, but I liked everything else. Uh, like how they set up the roast is very telegraphed and transparent about what Michael's trying to convey. And it's really well done um, through Danson's performance and Danson's facial stuff, especially at the end when he's just, ugly crying in relief is so good um but no i i really enjoyed a lot of this i enjoyed watching the demons really let loose and party um Mm -hmm. and i liked deus ex Derek. um yeah into like be the plot solution to a number of things um i i so i really liked a lot of the things that they did here but mostly i really liked eleanor like going like no we're gonna trust him we're gonna trust him i feel good about this yeah for no reason at all we're just gonna yeah. blindly just, you know just because we had a little chat yesterday that was very human i'm gonna trust him based on that yeah well and and i so appreciate the show's commitment to sticking with not only the characters progressions and growths which i think they've done very well but also th- we're just gonna discuss Kierkegaard. we're just gonna discuss Kant, right we're just gonna yeah. Kierkegaard, just like yeah Kierkegaard. oh yeah Kant. Comes up later. We're gonna just dis- discuss Kierkegaard. Spoilers, and... jeez, Kate. <laughs> I know philosophy spoilers. <laughs> philosophy spoilers. The worst spoilers. Um, <laughs> but to just just have this be a show that that like completely embrace that part of it. And while it's getting more episodic in that, or like easy for people to jump in that way, where yeah. you know they don't have to, you don't have to know everything that came before to jump in here. You just need to know they're hiding out. It's like there's not a bunch of complex emotional entanglements and like all like who knows what and when and all this stuff. It's just no. It's just it's very. I think on the scale of this show, I think it's pretty accessible to just jump in at this point and yeah. Um and so it's getting a little less, a little like dumbed down is the wrong word, but like a little more accessible that way. Yeah. But it also then is not afraid to say yeah. But we're not gonna hold your hands as much 
on the philosophy stuff, we still care about this. So even if they're not doing ethics classes anymore as like a structural element to the show, we're still going to have this discussion about what it means to be a good person and and to interact in the world, and even if it is the afterlife. So I, I really appreciate that aspect of the episode as well. Yeah, I do too. And I, your point about opening itself up to like a newer audience each week, I think is uh, well taken, even if it sort of like grates me just a little bit is I really appreciated sort of how last season in particular, but uh, no, last season in particular just sort of went, had the ability to go full throttle and they can't do that here in part mm-hmm. because again audience but also just there's so many like little pieces they have now that they have to address whether it be sean or whether it be putting vicky that that glorious ferrari into a garage of a cocoon it's very <laughs> sticky uh, <laughs> that but also promises like they do with bringing Derek back so quickly and really effortlessly here and like well no we can just bring her back like a back pocket sort of way and that's exciting as well, because I I really didn't expect Derek to resurface this quickly either, for that matter. Um, and even if it's just a plot delivery service for getting Mindy St. Clair that cocaine she so desperately needs. It's like, best button of the season, right? I can work with that. It's well, and, and like, yes. the, we have a, like, well, and an, an enthusiastic sex robot, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> Derek is super, like, Derek is, like, the definition of consent in that, too, yeah. which I like that they include that in there for a show about ethics and philosophy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the giant, the giant bundles of Coke. Yeah, that was delightful. Um, I, ho- I really yeah. hope she rations that stuff. Because she's she, going to need to. There's no way she's going to ration that stuff. No, no, there's <laughs> not. We've met Minnie St. Clair. She will not be rationing. Oh, man. Um, and Manzoukis' performance is delightful as ever as Derek. Yeah. And I think this is a really terrific like way to send that character off if we have our characters theoretically like in hiding now or whatever's going to happen next. Um, then the that's a good way to like like put... As opposed to, I guess I could have just kept him in the trunk or whatever, in in, in Janet's void. But like that, that kind of closes off that character for now, mm-hmm. um, yeah. until they want to bring the character back for some reason. Um, and and so I think that was, I think that was pretty fun. It does, and the other nice thing about it is, is that it allows us to use Manzukas at the end of the year for yes, best <laughs> when cameo. he just starts popping up again, <laughs> um, or maybe he does a sixth, twelfth man sort of sixth man thing, yeah. again, again, so. yeah. <laughs> That's a good. It's an excellent point. Um, any final thoughts on Good Place, or shall we move on to Amazing Race? No, let's move on to Amazing Race. So, um, I, the last season I remember watching was the social media influences influencer season, and I don't remember which season that was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't either. Kate's, yeah, Kate's making a face of like I don't remember either. I don't know why you're bringing this up. Well, um, I watched that season. Yeah, was that, I know we talked about it regularly. Was that before or after the? you meet on the race for your first date that was before that so that okay. may have, i definitely didn't watch that season because that that was very stupid sounding and i did not watch that <laughs> and the people who won one were immediately like yeah no we're, we're just here to win a million dollars so yeah 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 uh so this one is all about hyper competitive people um mm-hmm. 
competing in the amazing race which i feel like is something of a misnomer Mm -hmm. or like a given more so than a misnomer in that if you're on the amazing race given how grueling it is i would hope that you're on some level very competitive yeah um so how are you feeling about this cast of uh racers um how how badly do you feel the producers feel that the uh prerequisite hot two women duo went out on the first leg (laughs) Oh man, I don't care about like any of these teams. I'm just in theory, just like re- I'm rooting for the Yaleys because I yes! I appreciate that they don't seem to be the kind of Yaleys who like to talk about how they went to Yale as yeah. much as the producers. Like that little clip they did of like trying to be a video clip of them being smart. Only the 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 woman in the, on the team absolutely said the wrong word and what she said was not a word and like, yeah. i was like editors is that you trying to show a clip of them being like really nerdy and because sm- like you did that was not uh, you should look up your words <laughs> just because a word is long doesn't mean it's actually a word um anyways so so i enjoyed them um and their approach so far i enjoyed um or i i in, in theoretically on board with the lady uh olympics like sled like skiers snowboarders snowboarders i think they're skiers skiers they're winter they're definitely winter sports though (laughs) yeah i'm more interested i'm like theoretically on board with them i look forward to the super passive aggressive goat ladies getting eliminated yoga goat ladies in the first episode they were just like already at already at it and it's just like oh boy you two are not gonna last in this it's like you guys haven't even like like you're fighting about stuff someone did while someone was asleep and whether that comment was passive aggressive like you're not, you're even, not even tired at the roadblock yet <laughs> yeah like you haven't had to do anything you aren't at your wits end you aren't like pushed to your breaking point by stress and lack of sleep and jet lag like Oh my god! When the, when the when the one of them talked about being like this is you know we're, we've been really good friends like for the longest been lo- friend for the longest time. I was just like yeah because you don't know how to identify toxic relationships and cut them out of your life. Like this is not good for either. I like I the woman who was talking about how they had been friends for so long. I was like actually I think I probably have a big problem with you of the two of them. But either way, like this is not a positive relationship, and y'all like I'm you're gonna kill each other before you're done. Yeah. There's there's probably going to be a dead body in the scene or something. The sign scene 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 whatever. Yeah, if they end up going to Paris at some point. Yeah, so in the Seine. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, the uh, those are the only teams that I care about. Like this notion of we're I, I get really tired of the show casting for people and like yeah. which is clearly what this was. Like they sought out the the Nathan's hot guy, hot dog guys. You know, like yeah, and. and that is not interesting to me <laughs> and anywhere near yeah. as much as people who actually want to be traveling, who want to mm-hmm. see the world. So right. I, I'm not very enthused with most of these teams. How did you feel about them? No, I feel pretty much the same. And like, I really latched onto the Yale folks and also in part because I did forensics debate um, mm-hmm. in high school, not in college. Um, so I really latched onto them and I like this sort of more calm sort of intellectual sort of approach that they're like discussing that they're going to take. Um, even if I got really like frustrated that they somehow ended up in third. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's also like me having to remember that this show like kind of gets skimpy on the editing, especially when there's so many teams. 
Um, it's just like, all right, we got you guys to the square. Uh, we're not going to show you guys taking shots a lot. Um, so we're just going to fast forward through this real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, oh, okay. How did they end up in third? And being really confused by that. Um, I talked to a friend of the show, Corey Barker, a little bit, um, because they have two big brother, um, folks, mm-hmm. um, racing this season. He's just like, oh, they're the reasons I stopped watching Big Brother that season. <laughs> um, so that was great. I was just like, I was deeply reassured by that choice from cbs um to do some uh cross show uh promotion mm-hmm. there uh but yeah otherwise yeah i'm not super i'm not super compelled by it so far um i'm even less compelled by the fact that they're going to be airing two episodes in a single night starting in the end of january for a little while because cbs is just burning this off this year um because they're just like eh, it's been 30 cycles we're good <laughs> yeah it's like why do you bring the show back for i mean i guess there's a certain number of episodes you need to do for it to the structure of the show to, to really work yeah. but you could just start with fewer teams or mm-hmm. i mean like then i guess you're not really traveling the world but like why do yeah. you pick the show back up if you're just gonna burn it off yeah, and I I wonder how much of it was like contract issues that they've worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe production had already started before they decided that they were just like, uh, we don't really have space for this, and also we don't really want this anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's also like not something that they can pawn off on like CBS All Access, like they've done with Big Brother to a certain extent, because yeah. it's so much more expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what happens uh, with this yeah. season, or just with the show overall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was fine. The episode was fine. Yeah. I liked some of the challenges. Um, I liked the uh, like having them douse the the cod oil and and uh, whatever the other thing was. I liked the idea of calling the black of call saying the black death is coffee. And then I also enjoyed the expression on the woman's face. She's like, uh, no, that's not that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> but but. I do, you know, like, I feel like maybe we should start calling coffee the Black Death. It's like you get your Black Death this morning. Like, I feel like there's some, I think, feel like there's some potential there, at least for some sort of a beverage. Um, yeah. Uh, coffee based beverage, I should say. Um, but yeah, I, I will, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I will keep watching because I just enjoy the show and the, the structure mm-hmm. and the sightseeing element of it. Yeah. But I'm really and not Iceland's enthused with any so of these teams. It's pretty, though. Gosh. It's very pretty. Yeah, yeah, I really want to go to. I've I've always wanted to kind of go to Iceland, but every mm-hmm. time I see it in like other capacities, I'm just like, oh, this place looks so pretty. <laughs> yeah, well, and all the Icelanders I've met have been awesome. So, and I've mm. met a fair number of them actually, all yeah. things considered, for the size of the country relative to the rest of the world and being mm. in Illinois. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, well, I I would like to be more excited about more than two teams. So yeah. Maybe that'll happen next week. Uh, how about Top Chef Colorado? Are you, you know, are you excited about the return of, of Leanne and of uh, uh, Claudette? Um, yeah, I'm I'm mostly excited about Leanne, who mm-hmm. uh, is such like a comeback in a very deep way since she was in season one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited to see what this person who competed on this 15 seasons ago is yeah. like oh no like a the game has changed a good bit since season one mm-hmm. but also like her skill set is significantly different than a lot of these chefs are as which is something that came up a little bit in like the glamping um episode where it's just like 
a lot of these chefs are really young and my skill set's not really up to their like where they are in terms of like yeah. what they know. Yeah. And so I really like this potential narrative that they're building about a couple of the older chefs being like, I don't know how to compete with this. And Leanne coming in and going like, oh, I know how to compete with this. And it's being <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, when they're like licking so, the plate, I was like, right. you go, you go, Leanne. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited about Leanne coming back. And I really like how that was um, integrated into the episode of how they put Last Chance Kitchen as sort of the quick fire section of the glamping episode. Uh, but how are you feeling about some of the other stuff? How did you feel about like the food truck uh, episode in particular, which um, the guy that they, the social media influencer. Oh man. The timing on that. The timing on that was incredible. Are very so fortunate on that timing. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, then you were not on social media a couple days ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. But some. I forget his name, but Logan yeah, he's... Paul. Yeah. I'm Logan sorry Paul. that I know his name other than now I can avoid him. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah Showed a dead body on a social media video. Um, so yeah, definitely cute, but useless indeed. <laughs> oh my God. Well, just so, so much worse than that. Like just, uh, mm-hmm. and the whole thing, when you know, like the specifics of that story of like where they went to and the way, like the, the utter lack of understanding, respect and cultural awareness of that. It's just like, it's just deeply offensive deeply yeah. offensive um so yeah fuck that guy so much so hard in every way just go away and don't come back into the public sphere um but uh, aside from that i thought the food truck challenge uh was was a good one and i like the i was enjoying like like the like, people got sent home and like i'm you salad you made a salad for a food truck at a college town what is what is wrong with don't you don't do that don't do no, that. No, don't do that. But the 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 trucks that won the food looked really good. Um, and uh, yeah, I also really liked the heritage challenge. I had no time for the white boys being like, "Oh no, my heritage!" It's like your heritage isn't some exotic foreign thing. You just think of it that way because you look at people of color and you're like, and they are are have this discussion and awareness of their heritage. You're like, well, see, but they're exotic. Like, no, they are people. They are just people. They are not some exotic, strange, otherworldly thing. They are a person like you. And they have a background of like how they grew up and the food they ate and the food that their parents fed them and their their parents parents fed them and like that is what heritage means so like the cat like the guy who's like well i'm from california but i think my name is like swedish or something so i'm gonna kind of half-ass a swedish thing that i never have eaten before really it's like no it is means how you grew up the food that in like like the food culture and surrounding your childhood and your parents and like that what your story was it's not about what nationality your ancestors were necessarily unless that is also part of how you were raised you know it was just it's like it was just like this this exoticization of the notion of heritage that is just really frustrating (laughs) if because it because it makes it's it's it separates and divides like well they have heritage and we don't it's like no you do have heritage. You just aren't aware of it because you just assume what you grew up with was normal and what everybody else grew up was with was different. And no, no, no. They're saying this was my normal. This is where I come from. This is what normal was to me. And you should be saying what normal was to you. Uh, it's just really very... It's just... I don't know. For me, it just... 
and I shouldn't, I'm again, white girl, cishet white girl, feel free to call me out if I'm out of, out of bounds, which I very well may be, but to me it just feels like a just a very instinctually like unthought, not thought about racist kind of thing. It's like, well, only black people have heritage. Well, only people of color have heritage because they can do soul food. It's like, that's ridiculous and not true at all. It's an overgeneralization and it shows a lack of awareness and thought about who you are and what your life is. And it's just, again, this glamorizing and uh, and exoticizing of who other people are and what, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense at all? No, it makes complete sense. And uh, who was it that went home? Tyler that week? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he also just looked aggressively bored throughout that episode as well. Um, mm-hmm. especially when they shifted from the quick fire, which was silly and, uh, pointless. And I can, I can do without watching people have to cook in small pots and use very small <laughs> like utensils that. again. No, I'm, 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 I'm kind of done with that. Cause it's just uh. like, I've seen that on Chopped everyone like uh. eight times i'm okay. good I, or cutthroat kitchen i've seen that eight times on cutthroat mm-hmm. kitchen i'm good i'm settled on that whole small thing challenge but he, as soon as they transitioned to like the elimination challenge he just kind of looked bored when they went to the uh community center or wherever it is that they went to he's just like refusing to engage these women who are discussing um what what cooking has meant to them and to their family and he's just like uh-huh Oh, that's nice. Type of thing. It's just like, dude, engage. They're talking to you about food that you're not familiar with. As a chef, you should be curious about this. And you should be curious about your own sort of food background. So your point about like, well, it doesn't have to be necessarily about your actual sort of background or your actual sort of your your genetic. Yeah, right. Like if you don't if. I mean, there's plenty of stuff within a California cuisine that you could have done and covered yourself perfectly acceptable and gone middle of the pack, if not better, depending on how well you execute that. Mm-hmm. But you just went, oh, Swedish. And it's just like, oh, great call. No. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Everything that you just said is really, really accurate. Well, and even Carrie was like, well, I'm white, so I made Irish this and English this and mm-hmm. something else this. It's like, there was no thread tying it all together other than these yeah. are a bunch of white cultures. Yeah. And, and that, like, that's, that, like, I'm like I'm sure that she she's part, each of those, I'm guessing, is where she was coming from with it. But it's like, but yeah. th- like bring this together somewhat, you know? Like, yeah. do what it was, oh, goodness, I still don't know the chef's name. Is it Adrian or whatever who did... Like the part soul food, part Irish, because those were her two parents, and there she had that great story about her her dad's like family teaching her mom how to cook soul food. I right? think so. Yeah. yeah, 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 and 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 so that was a blend of like because it was her two parents who each liked different kinds of foods and would feed her different food, like that made sense to her history. And so I, I always enjoy those challenges, and it seemed like overall these chefs really whiffed it on that one. I will say though that Chris's. Um, lemonade chicken or whatever it looked so good it looked <laughs> it looked amazing like i haven't had fried chicken in a long time and i was just watching the tv like tv going like i would have never thought to like glaze or hot sauce base like like do a base for hot sauce in lemonade and that would be so good how mm-hmm. have i never thought of that like the acid of that and the citrus like 
all the time we think of like orange based like sauces and things like that for chicken or at least i do um why wouldn't you do oh my god it was just so smart and like it looked really really good and i loved when it was at bruce or somebody having one of those biscuits and be like well i'm not winning yeah yeah no it was bruce he was just like this biscuit is too good i cannot win (laughs) (laughs) well and that's watching last Jen's kitchen that is absolutely how i felt about leanne with the dumplings i was like she busts out the dumplings she's gotta win yeah no by default she just wins um yeah and i think uh, to your point about like what like sort of salivating at the screen i feel like a lot of these chefs are really good at plating food Mm -hmm. and like even like the um camping food looked so good yeah and I just went, how did you plate that so well? Because you're in you're in three feet of snow and it's 30 degrees outside. Your fingers must have frozen off at some point. Um, so, but I think that they know how to really plate food. And I think also like, or that, or they're just like having someone style their food a little bit before yeah. it goes up, which is entirely possible. Well, uh, but- and speaking of, we should mention, of course, Leanne is a, a final, was a like top four in season one, but she also yeah. came back then and worked behind the scenes on Top Chef. She did. For yeah. quite a while. I, I think it was quite at least a few seasons um, yeah. at doing production design, like having like make like when they have to like film all the different things in the kitchen or they have to like make other versions of the food to film. Like she was in charge of that and, and with, you know, a lot of that stuff, too, so that she's got strong ties to the show anyway. So they're like the, the I enjoyed the warmth. And the excitement in Gail's voice to see her back and some of the yeah. other people as well. So there was like even more of a sense of a return because of that. And um, mm-hmm. and, and so that made me think of when you're talking about the, the production design, like the plating and everything like that. And the rest of the, the whole extra team that has to show up and like film the, the, the glamour shots of the food. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, you know, that's part of uh, what, what Leanna had done on the show too. So she, clearly she has plenty of experience with that as well. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I do think like the, the presentation game was on point in this most recent episode for most of them Two, What are you thinking with just like, just this rabbit. It's just rabbit. There's nothing else there. It didn't look appetizing at all. No, it did not. Yeah. And they tried, but no, it did not. Um, so how are you, who, who are you like, who are you seeing as like front runners right now? Well, if it weren't for the uh, potential for, I mean, she's what, 39 now, Leanne, and first pregnancy, that's a high risk pregnancy and yeah. it's a stressful. So I, I wouldn't be surprised based on the trailer they showed too. For next week's she, episode too. If yeah. she, if she has to bow out due to health concerns. Mm-hmm. um because because like a lot of people if they're on their first pregnancy um you know later in age if they've had trouble getting uh getting pregnant or something like that um which i don't think she didn't talk about that but there was another no. sh- another chef talked about that that's why i was connecting it but that's it wasn't the case but, but it was like or it's more of like a make sure you take it easy maybe go on bed rest when you get further along into it like obviously right. she's only three months but like yeah so, so like if it weren't for that, I would feel more confident about putting Leanne in the top. Um, but I think that I, you know, I really enjoyed, <laughs> I really enjoyed Carrie in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think they're building up. There's a few of them. They're building up. They're building up yeah. Bruce. They're br- building up. Um, they were building up brother, but he's kind of slipped down a little bit. He um, has, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, yeah. I really enjoy what I've seen of Tanya. I really enjoy what I've seen of Fatima. Um, and mustache dude is done very well so far. One of the Joes. Yeah. How about you? 
Um, I'm, I'm like you, like I was feeling really brother early on, but I do feel like he sort of uh, slipped a little bit. Um, um, I think that they're really trying to push a Bruce narrative, um, pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you regarding Carrie. Um, and I, but I really feel like Fatima, Fatima, mm-hmm. um, has like a really solid shot. Um, I think she's been really consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so if she can kind of carry that through, that'll be really exciting. But I also feel like Claudette really showed a number of things in Last Chance yeah. Kitchen that it will probably serve her well as soon as like they're not cooking in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so i think that that will probably help her and having done last chance kitchen means that she hasn't had like any sort of a lapse really since she had she was eliminated so i think that's going to work out in her favor as well so i i feel like they've got a really good bunch um Mm -hmm. but that they're still there's not really like a ready ready standout just yet yeah there's there's a number of them but i seriously until this episode they they were not overall doing that great they were just kind yeah. of mediocre and so that's part of what i think inspired tom to just go you know what guys like the food i'm having in last chance kitchen is way better than the food i've been having on the regular show i'm bringing two of them back they're both yeah. really good they're both better than most of the food i've been getting every week so let's do that and i can't bring all yeah. three or else i would do that too he would have totally bought that kwame if they had to let him yeah yeah so um yeah well and do you think that there's still a shot for that do you think we're going to go into Last Chance Kitchen again, which was so obviously voiceovered later by Tom at the end of this episode. And we're going to see two versus Kwame to start off the next episode, Batch of Last Chance Kitchens. I don't know. Like, I think that they may wait for another, whomever they eliminate next week. Mm-hmm. Um, start fresh. I think Kwame's, and start fresh. Because I think Kwame's like out, out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll, because there wasn't a Last Chance Kitchen this week. Which okay. is why why I think that Kwame is like out out is that he mm-hmm. and two didn't face off. Um okay. so I think they're out out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I like I think this seemed like a much fairer time to bring someone in from Last Chance Kitchen. Yeah. But I they love the end of show twist, so they're gonna keep it anyway. So I'm not surprised yeah. that they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts or if not, what wins your week in comedy and reality? It's it's Vegas, isn't it? Valley to Vegas. It is totally Vegas. Uh, no, it is uh, The Good Place. It's The Good Place. This is The Good Place Award um, slash The Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Award because there's no Crazy Ex-Girlfriend this week. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Good Place. Yeah, definitely that. Okay, um, now we'll take a break, listen to some more music, and come back to talk, not rant, talk about The X-Files and more for our weekend show. We'll be right back after this. Look at you, you seem so bright and Minds are full of joy and wonder. Stay a thousand miles from the condition that I've got from all the stress I'm under. Don't come near me or you might encourage all these terrifying sudden urges. Seeing you make skipping work so tempting. Don't you know that in the night I'm tempting here at this dead end job? dead and we lurch for minimum wage but i'd really rather be in your brain this week in genre we're going to talk a bit about the season 11 premiere of the x-files my struggle part three 
then I'll talk about the Doctor Who Christmas special twice upon a time and we'll uh, have some fun with the Steven Universe episodes, Dewey Wins, Gemcation, Raising the Barn, Back to the Kindergarten, Sadie Killer, and Kevin Party, which were the episodes that aired uh, for Steven Universe after we stopped doing our regular like weekly coverage last year. And then we'll round things out with Adventure Time, 17, Ring of Fire, Marcy and Hudson, and The First Investigation, which similarly all aired after we were done doing weekly episodes last year. So first up, Noel, is the X-Files and the premiere. Now, we have it from fr- pretty good sources, reliable sources, that actually this season of the X-Files is much better than last season. Other than this first episode, just skip this first episode, is what I saw several places online. And it is really upsetting and bad, and oh. in so many ways. <laughs> and yet, better voiceover than Grownish still despite you know like it's not saying no, much give give me the grownish voiceover please <laughs> well yeah th- there's so much wrong with this x-files premiere let's start out with the f- fact that they have decided to retroact to retcon like the the impregnation of of scully into to being even rapier than it already was uh so let's talk about that first uh again this is just chris carter being a fucking idiot right and just being terrible at his own show, like mm-hmm. just someone needs to take the show away from him because he's very bad at his own show <laughs> and his own franchise. He's aggressively bad at it. So in case you didn't watch and are like morbidly curious, well, provided all of this is true and the cigarette smoking man isn't fucking with everyone again, mm-hmm. um, is that he impregnated Scully with both his DNA and alien DNA to create a superhuman meaning William. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so many types of gross and terrible and awful and just, oh, it's really bad. And enough bad things have happened to Scully that this is did not need to happen. Yeah, no. They So they, they basically retconned out that Mueller was, Mueller, wow, it's just my brains, that Mulder, Mulder. <laughs> uh, is not the father of William. Uh, and instead, his father, the cigarette smoking man, is because everything. Like, this was start like the everything about the opening of this episode with the this backstory for the cigarette smoking man. Like, first of all, anybody watching already knows. Second of all, yes. nobody cares. Nobody cares. And so I, the obsession that Carter has, and some of the fan base has, with the cigarette smoking man is just. Like, the actor is terrific, reliably, uh, in the role, all things considered, but it's just bad. It's just, like, really weighing down this episode. There's plenty of tension and other things you could do without feeling like you have to... Like, you could still have genetic super baby if it was Mulder's kid, and so why make it not Mulder's kid? Because, oh my god, Chris Carter loves father-son drama. He loves it so much. Heaven forbid it be grandfather-grandson drama. Like, that can't be legitimate. Ugh, it's irritating. And now it's brother-brother drama? Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Hello, son. This is your brother. The love of my life. Like, (laughs) oh god, it's just really stupid um what do you think about them kind of making all of the previous episodes like a dream or vision in scully's head i kind of feel like that's better than them actually happening because that was really bad i think both are very bad i think they wrote themselves into a corner and just went how do we get out of this oh we know portent of the future 
type of thing. I actually thought we were like heading into like an alternate universe sort of thing almost. Yeah. Like, oh, we we split off from this and now we're in this and mm-hmm. we're trying, but the whole we're going to prevent this from happening because Scully's had some visions. I just go, no. Mm-hmm. No, I I understand why you're doing this, but it creates really, especially in this episode, it creates just a lot of just really bad drama that I feel really bad that Jillian Anderson has to play. Yeah, and the whole it's it's really deeply frustrating, and it also means that the whole presence of Robbie Amell and uh, Lauren Ambrose just feels very weird. Oh, I like when they showed up. And I was like, oh, I like when they showed up too. But then I also just went, but I kind of just wanted to watch this version of X-Files with the two of you. Mm -hmm. And not whatever the hell we're going through right now. I didn't need that reminder of that feeling. And then I got that reminder of that feeling. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I also really didn't like the complete lack of respect and uh, listening we get from Mulder towards Scully. Like, yes, Scully's not fine, and she's saying she's fine. So fight her on that. But when she's saying this other stuff, they've been through so much. He sh- he would She would not for a second doubt him or, or fight him on, like, what that what she was he was saying was true, right? She wouldn't just ignore what he's saying. And he does that here, and I it's very disrespectful, and I don't believe it for these characters having been through as much as they have. Um, yeah. And also, they want us to think that maybe Mitch Pelegi Skinner is a baddie, and it's stupid. Again. And, like, you can't... They keep doing this, Noel. They've done this so many times. We will never believe that he's a baddie, because that's because it's Mitch Pelegi. Right? He's just, yeah. like, steadfast earnestness on screen. Like, like you've done this so many times... You can't unring that, like, every time he's come through. And so to have them, like, it's just, again, it's it's undermining Mulder. Because Mulder's the one that doesn't trust him at in, in these scenes. And at some point, he should learn, right? At some point, he should have, or is it only Scully that ever gets his trust, ever? I mean, come on. It's stupid. Well, and that's what boils down to a lot of this episode is, like, no one's listening to each other and everyone's acting as if they don't have any sense of history. Yeah. And that's deeply troubling when you're in a season 11 and when you're also in a show that has sort of overplayed its mythology aspects. And it's, uh, your point about Skinner, it's turncoat, traitor-type playing up type things Mm -hmm. when at this point it just doesn't make any sense for Skinner to be behaving like this. And because we all know that he doesn't behave like this Mm -hmm. and this idea that you can keep hitting these beats or you can motivate action by not having anyone listen to one another and everyone talk past one another in ways for an entire episode and with really terrible dialogue. Like it's so bad. It's It's aggressively bad. bad. Yeah. And that that this is a compelling hour of television or that you can end it with, well, we'll try to find our son while still doing the work that matters. The answer is in the X-Files. And it's just like, well, no, it's not actually in the X-Files anymore, guys. It hasn't been in the X-Files. Nope. <laughs> it's just an excuse to get more standalones uh, from Darren yeah. Morgan, which don't get me wrong, I'm all for. But yeah. come on. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it ultimately just points to the fact that the X-Files needs a massive amount of fresh blood. 
um, to circulate through it because Chris Carter and the rest of the crew that he managed to bring back for this season, it's just like, you guys don't need to be doing this anymore because you're clearly out of ideas for what to do with these two characters. So let's bring in someone else and let's not talk about alien conspiracies anymore. Yep. Yep. But I, you know, again, I, I am hopeful that the rest of the season will be more fun based on what people are saying. Last year at this time, they were saying, there's a really good Darren Morgan episode, guys. And we're like, what about the yeah. rest of the season? And they're going, there's a really good Darren Morgan episode, guys. And that's basically well, what ended up being the case. So hopefully well, there's, you know, things are moving in a better direction. We can just forget this one happened. Were you watching any more of season 11, do you think? Or are you just out? <sighs> I don't know yet. I haven't decided. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably will maybe watch a second episode, mm-hmm. um, but we'll see. My tolerance for this is like super low, especially because it's airing on like a day in which we have everything else on. Yeah. That is just like, there's too many things for me to watch to watch something really terrible that's really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I will watch a lot just for Gillian Anderson. Um, yeah. so that's certainly helping, but, but I did that with the, I did that with the most recent season of the fall and that was a mistake. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, speaking of watching anything with a particular actor or character, I did watch the Doctor Who Christmas special twice upon a time. And, um, I was very <laughs> shockingly, Kate wasn't happy with the Stephen Moffat episode. What? Um, yeah, I just. I was very puzzled by how this show and this show writer, showrunner and writer who has usually such an affinity and awareness for the history of the show doesn't seem to know the first doctor like hardly at all. They they, they put the first doctor there and then didn't use him. He was there just to be like foil straight person like straight man to to our doctor but he doesn't actually i don't buy the tension he's on they put him under where he's like afraid to die because he's never died before so he all he knows is that it's like what all time lords do and he hasn't experienced it so he doesn't know it's traumatic he doesn't know it's horrible and painful like why and he knows that he's not gonna die like he knows he will die but he will then also be regenerated so I don't buy for a second this thing that they trump up for him to just, like, be all of a sudden afraid of death. He's just not going to die. It's like, no, I don't buy it. It's stupid and it's out of character. They didn't need to do it. They could have put the tension somewhere else. They could have just had him, you know, be the TARDIS sent the the 12th Doctor to the first Doctor because the, the TARDIS knew the first Doctor is who the, doc, the 12th Doctor needed. Um, I don't buy the 12th Doctor not wanting to regenerate. I think, again, that's also stupid. Um, but that was the premise they wanted to go with to explain why there was an extra episode with this Doctor after we saw him start to die. Um, which is because the new showrunner didn't want to do the the Christmas special with the first with the with the regenerated Doctor. So that's why it happened. So Moffat did one more and this Doctor did one more. Um, so there's that. Then the characterization of the first Doctor throughout is he's just there and they make, oh, the, the first Doctor is misogynistic. It's like, okay, I watched all the first Doctor era. And yes, the the show is infused with the, some of the prejudices of the time. That's going to be inherent. But the first Doctor himself is not particularly sexist and misogynistic in the way that he is shown here. Like, he wants some of his companions, like, he he comments about, like, Polly 
tidying up around the TARDIS. Yeah, there's some, there's some, you know, unquestioned and unthought about misogyny in there, but nothing on the level of what they see here, what they're shown here. What was like, oh, remember back when this used to be the case? No, that wasn't the case. If that was, I wouldn't have been watching the show. I wouldn't have watched 50 years of the show. Um, so that was irritating. It was like funny once, but they kept going back to that well. And they did it at the expense of actual thoughtful interaction between these two characters. And that's, that's what, if, if I hadn't been promised a fun adventure with the first doctor and the 12th doctor, I wouldn't have been so, so frustrated and disappointed because I thought that was a really great idea and super fun and such a creative thing to do. And what a wonderful way to, to get to revisit the first doctor, a, a character that so few of the new viewers comparatively are familiar with likely have sought out like what a great opportunity and and david bradley is terrific he would do a great job but then they don't really have him channeling that first doctor in any meaningful way so it was it was very disappointing um i like i always enjoy bill potts so pearl mackie was great as i talked about in our end of like best of end of year best ofs um and some of the moments were nice but like it really was it missed the mark for me it wasn't like problematic or 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 like we didn't have the doctor sexually assault anyone yay that's not something i can assume during the moffat era so at least there's that um but it was disjointed and uh they, they had to bring a dalek in for no reason uh just to have a dalek or whatever it, it, it lacked the cohesiveness and awareness that I would have liked. It didn't have a lot of energy. It was very much a coda to the rest of the season and the 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 Moffat era. Um, I liked that there wasn't some like evil conspiracy he had to f- solve in the end, but um, just it was so contrived that it really was hard for me to enjoy. So I was not a big fan of Twice Upon a Time. Um, I hope that I can get some distance from this era of the show, the Moffat era, I should say specifically, and then revisit it and find more to appreciate and to like now that and like to re-engage with and enjoy knowing that the show has moved on to a female doctor, to a new showrunner that hopefully will do a good job, fingers crossed. Um, But right now I just, I, I really do not care for as a whole the Moffat era. And uh, I'm hoping I can revisit the 12th Doctor run because Capaldi is so good. He's such a terrific actor. I hope I will be able to go back and rediscover and enjoy this much more. But right now it's like, it's very Kylo Ren. Kill the old. <laughs> Embrace the new or whatever. Um, yeah. And with that, let's go on right on to Steven Universe and this set of episodes. Uh, how do you want to approach this? Episode by episode or arc or favorite moments? Or what do you think? Um, I think we can probably just do sort of like an overall arc sort of perspective on this, since it's pretty unified in terms of, at least with the Steven stuff, and dealing with the ramifications of having gone off to Homeworld and then coming back. Yeah. Um, and so that runs through like all of these episodes in terms of uh, Steven dealing with not being upfront with Connie and not honoring their jam buds relationship um but also falls into sadie and lars's relationship and what that means and how sadie sort of thinks about her life in a life without lars Mm -hmm. but also what this means where we're all suddenly sort of very much on homeworld's radar again in a way that we were not before Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh while still sort of leaving plenty of room to deal with the whole ramification of 
wait, how exactly did Pink Diamond die again? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I liked what we got with Steven and Connie. It was very reminiscent. It felt like take two on, you know, the great post jailbreak episode we yes. got. Um, only we didn't get an amazing song out of it. Yeah. But um, the, yeah, it was. It took a little while for for Stephen to catch up. It took longer than it usually does for Stephen to figure yep. out what the deal was. And um, I I both enjoyed all the gems being useless and not getting it and his dad. And also was like, I feel like they should get at least like Pearl or somebody should get it a little more right. than they do. Or Garnet, you know, like anyways. Uh, but but. You know, with the because it was so episodic, I thought it helped with it would feel like a long time without Connie. But the way that it was like kind of back to back airings, certainly they released mm-hmm. it all in the app at once. That helped, and because we got that um, like amazing lapis focused centered episode, we got uh, that amazing Sadie centered episode. Like that helped with it, um, and then ending with the reconciliation in, in Kevin party. Um, Kevin brought them back together. Oh, God. We hate Kevin so much. Um, I do, too. He's so terrible. <laughs> for for me, the the definite highlight of this bunch is Raising the Barn. Um, but I also love uh, the Sadie's new song, Sadie Killer, and that oh, song. Like, so oh, man. Good. The Working Dead. Like, oh. yeah. Like, can, can we, in the conversations that will be happening, happening in an election year, can we just like have that playing in some of in the background when we're talking about the economy, this country right now? Um, anyways, uh, what did you, what did you think? You, you want to talk Lapis. I know you want to talk Lapis. Talk to me about Raising the Barn. So yeah, no, Raising the Barn is great. And it's, it's a Lapis centric episode, but it's, it's really much more of a Peridot centric episode in terms of like, her coming to grips with what she wants. And this gets into a lot of like the stuff that they've explored with Lapis previously in that it's very much about relationships and the dysfunction of those relationships that Lapis finds herself in, whether it's being stuck in a gym war, stuck in a mirror with her relationship with Steven, but also by extension with the other gyms to being fused with um, Jasper for as long as she was. And that, whole sort of process that we got with um what was that um alone at sea yeah something like that yes um and how yeah how all that played out and then having it here where one of the things i really liked about raising the barn is how very valid everything felt on both sides of this so paradox reasons for wanting to stay and because of the degree of confidence that she has in both her own abilities, but also in the abilities of the people around her and how much she's come to care for Earth as a result of being here. Um, I really appreciated how that's presented and how she's finally allowed to speak up for herself. And also the joke of, wait, no, I'm, you're supposed to reward reward me for my emotional honesty. <laughs> is both very funny, but also sort of a actual legitimate sort of response that people would have in any sort of situation in which they are being emotionally honest and lapis's response is treated very validly and like she hasn't really dealt with anything 
mm-hmm. at all. And that's really what's coming that is made clear here is that she takes everything that is safe and that allows her to cope, but she hasn't worked through anything. And that's why she ends up taking the barn with her into space. And I really like that in that the episode really subtly presents that as what has been going on with Lapis is that she hasn't dealt with any of this trauma that she's experienced. It just keeps her trapped in whatever thing. She's still trapped in the mirror and now she's just trapping herself or she was trapped with Jasper and now she's just trapping herself in a big floating bubble in outer space away. And I I really like how subtly that gets played out in this episode without while still giving the larger emotional stuff the paradox. Yeah. Well, but also I think it's as like you said, both <clears throat> both starting points of their conversation are treated with complete respect because yeah it's easy for Peridot to say all that because she hasn't lived through it before. Right. Yeah. You get the sense like if she was involved in the last one, she was safe on Homeworld doing like pushing buttons or something. Like she Yeah, if she'd even been mined by that. Yeah. Like she hasn't like she hasn't seen shit, basically. Yeah. Um and so she can't know. And yeah. to to ask someone to relive that trauma is like 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 she lit lapis listens and she understands and she respects Peridot's decision, but she's not doing that again. And, 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 you know, I, lo- I love that little beat of, especially for Peridot who just learned to figure out emotions through watching a, like that, that, that one TV the show. Yeah. 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 Whatever it was with, uh, was it Pierre and something? Um, yeah, something yeah. like that. I can't remember. Yeah. That, that's exactly someone who learned emotions through TV would be like, but, but I was mostly honest. So that means I should win. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I thought that that the show's understanding respect for not everyone can just be like, okay, well, but this is the heroes are fighting. So I'm going to fight. Like, yeah. that's not the decision everyone will make. And, and, and they were very the show like as a whole was very understanding of that and i appreciated that i think your point that you're making is excellent as well but when you're looking talking about trauma and you're tra- talking about and like this ties into the conversation so many of us have been having um surrounding hashtag me too and there was a great article about uh the the allegations about max landis um was that Pajiba, maybe um but talking about how like no one has put their name on a, a firm accusation of of harassment and assault very few have and it's because they're scared and you are not owed someone else's right. story you are not owed someone else re-traumatizing themselves so that a bad person can get stopped so like you are not owed her re-traumatizing herself to fight in your war like yes she loves the earth but she loves herself more and she needs to take care of herself. And that for that right now, that means she's not been at a point where she's like you said, she has not healed. She's just like getting through and for a lot of people getting through is the best they can do right then. Hopefully they will be able to heal it at a certain point. Um, I imagine we will see Lapis again um, in the show's run, but like that's not, it's not just like, Oh, well it's time for everyone to stand together Every and just the assumption that everyone will be able to and emotionally willing to um yeah. is is not a given here and I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and so it's why like raising the barn is so strong of an episode and and why it works really thematically with the rest of the arc of Steven trying to reconnect with Connie and hoping to reconnect with Connie and yeah. 
how all of that is threaded through this run of episodes of like, well, you're trying too hard. No, you, you, and you need to be like, give space and you need to be respectful of these other sort of opinions about senses of what expectations are. And so that all gets threaded throughout this, um, throughout this sort of episode. So even if it feels a little, um, uh, dis- uh, disparate, um, at certain points in terms of where their focus are, is like, we're going to do a Merrill debate episode type of thing, <laughs> but it all ends up like leading up to their reconciliation. Um, mm-hmm. and also Connie's amazing new haircut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which looks super great. Yeah. Um, okay, so any other aspects of these episodes you want to dive in with, or, or should we move on to Adventure Time? No, let's move on to Adventure Time. Um, tell me about this run of episodes and how you felt uh, it worked. Well, Stupid Hansen interrupting Marcy, I was very much enjoying her song. We didn't get to hear mm-hmm. the entirety of in Marcy and Hansen. Um, yeah, I thought these were fun. And like, I it really has that air of we're getting towards the end. We're getting towards the last push. I'm going to miss the show when it's gone. Um, the Green Knight and everything with with uh, Gumball and, and, and all of them. Um, I thought that was a, such a tidy, neat way to... to explain what's going on i really liked it though too right yeah but like i mean that in a good way like in like it clicked and i was like ah that makes so much sense yay yes yes it does and i was also just like guys it's fern why why didn't why does no one else see that this is fern yeah 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 definitely um yeah and so that was that was um that was a fun one. And I also really liked Muncie, uh, sorry, <laughs> Muncie, Marcy and Hansen, um, and Ring of Fire. But the, the first investigation, anytime they bring back, um, just their parents, you know, like, oh gosh, I'm always yeah. going to enjoy, enjoy that. So like the, the way they tied everything back in and like, and I, I did not expect them to come back the way that they have so strongly in this last season with Jake's like out of space parentage or whatever mm-hmm. um and so that uh that's interesting i'm really intrigued for what's going to happen next but i i really enjoyed all of these episodes yeah i i really liked uh 17 and first investigation uh, a bit more than i did like ring of fire and marcy and hudson um it actually took me a minute to remember what ring of fire was mm-hmm. um uh as much as i sort of like the how that conceit played out of in the diner and everything yeah. um and i like that as a framing device um but yeah 17 is just such a really fun little episode and i liked your point and how i interjected of how they resolved the idea that gumball is back and mm-hmm. exists at all and based on how all that works so i I really appreciated that and i also appreciated like uh, the lumpy space princess impression yeah <laughs> that uh gumball does right mm-hmm. yeah so we get fred melamed doing a lumpy space princess impression which is everything i ever needed in my life apparently <laughs> Uh, but uh, your point about um, circling back to Jake's uh, parentage was really, really good in First Investigation, but I also really liked how that episode played out with memory and how the timeline sort of stuff played out in that as well um, to kind of tie everything into Marcine Hudson and Ring of Fire about memories and this, this resurfacing and remembering of things um, that have informed your past. Um, maybe not necessarily you being aware of it as well. So yeah, I, I liked this run of episodes, but I'm like, 
as much as I don't want this show to end in any way capacity, because there's so much stuff that they can just keep doing. Um, I'm ready for like an end game sort of run to kick in. Yeah. And uh, I really, I, I really want that. Yeah. I, it's going to be, I, I, it feels very purposeful the way that it's coming together. Um, and you know, like Fern and Gumbald and them as like this last run villain and baddie feel like yeah. they're uh, appropriate and interesting and nuanced and complicated enough to sustain that um to make the end run of the show interesting and and satisfying um they're pulling on threads that they haven't necessarily brought up for quite a while to bring it all together so we get a sense of culmination so they just they're unsurprisingly good shows doing good job <laughs> yeah Come, you know like show that's this show that's been so terrific in its structure and its world building is once again doing a terrific job pulling that all in together to make uh for what appears to be like it'll be a strong concluding set of episodes and then once they've finished i can absolutely see them doing like one-off adventures and movies and all sorts of different stuff too um but i, I do get the sense that we're going to have an interesting and emotionally resonant end to the show start and, and like this last batch of episodes starting with finn's 17th birthday felt very appropriate he's reaching yeah. you know like the end of teenage dumb you know like yes 19 is still teenager but whatever he's getting he's growing up basically yeah. and that's when the story will be moving towards its you know conclusion so that feels about right and when you suggested movies my mind immediately went but we could do old we could do old Finn and Jonathan Frakes could come back to voice him. <laughs> oh. no, watch. So yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm excited. Um and ready for that to ready for that to happen. Yeah. Okay, so what wins your week in genre? Uh Raising the Barn. Um Yeah, yeah right, Raising <laughs> um, the Barn. Yeah, it's Raising the Barn. Um everything else was good, but it's it's Raising the Barn. Yep, it absolutely is. Um and now we're just in so in sync this week. Um now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our twenty eighteen winter preview. We'll be right back after this. Slow dance with you. I just wanna slow dance with you. smooth and I got the blues I wanna slow dance with you I wanna slow dance with you I just wanna slow dance with you why don't you take the chance I've got the moves I'd like to prove I wanna slow dance with you We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kulsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and it's time for our 2018 winter TV preview. Now, granted, we're recording this like about a week into the new year, but uh, we're going to start with January 5th and talk through the uh, premieres and uh, mid-season returns. We're going to skip over like all the network shows that are coming back from like a couple weeks off. Like you guys know about that, but we'll we'll talk about the new shows that are debuting and the returning shows that are coming back. You know for season two three four that kind of a thing um in the next few months so uh noel why don't you kick us off here uh what what's coming up in this next like week or so on tv right so um scripted wise uh the end of the world uh dropped on netflix uh 
yes today yesterday depending on um when you're listening yeah. On, yeah when you're listening it dropped on january 5th um which is a british series uh based on a graphic novel about a guy who intends to kill the girl that he's on a road trip with at the conclusion of it oh that sounds great um Yay. but all eight episodes are available as of right now when we're recording yeah um i didn't yeah, hear that- about this no, neither did I. Um, yeah. So I don't know what that what that is. Um, but yeah. sure, okay, interesting. Um, yeah, ABC's got yet another um, game show called Child Support with um, Ricky Gervais and uh, Fred Savage doing game show type antics and answering questions uh, for their parents. I think is the gist of that that I got from when I was watching Match Game. Um, you know what Fred Savage should be doing? The Grinder season two. Yeah, or, well, like, season three at this three. point. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Anyways, moving uh, on. Keep on grinding. Gotta grind. <laughs> Never stop grinding. <laughs> um. So then, uh, in terms of, like, new stuff, uh, we've got The uh, Shy starting on Showtime on January 7th. Uh, the premiere of this you can actually already watch, mm-hmm. um, like, if you have on-demand services. Um, I think if you have a show- Showtime subscription, even if you don't have one, I think you can still at least watch the premiere. Uh, so that starts on January 7th. Um, this deals with uh, South Side of Chicago, um, and it's from Master of None co-star uh, Lena Wythe. Waith. Lena Waith. 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 Uh, who won an Emmy for a writing over on Master of None. Yeah, she played, um, She wrote the Thanksgiving episode from this last season. There you go. Yeah. You know, people are, are pretty excited about that one. Obviously, Lena Waith is quite a uh, interesting voice, and I look forward to, to checking that one out. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but uh, certainly it's one I'm looking forward to, to sampling. Yeah, and I, I feel sort of the same way. I haven't had time to watch it, um, but I'm looking forward to sampling that. What I'm not sort of maybe maybe looking forward to, I don't know, Star Trek Discovery's second half of mm-hmm. season one also starts on January 7th. Um, so you can strap yourself in for finding out if they're in an alternate dimension, if they're in some far-flung bit of space, or whatever they are. Kate already knows. Um, yeah, I do know. <laughs> so more on that after they've actually aired that stuff. Um, yeah. Next up, I'm no on, on Monday the eighth of January. There's there's this documentary about Bowie that's going to be on HBO. Are you are you interested in that one? Not particularly. No. Oh, okay. Um. I, I mean, I like Bowie. Um. But I've never like been like a big Bowie person. Mm-hmm. So okay. in part just because I don't have like a massive amount of exposure to him, um, apart from like some stage, uh, not stage roles, but some movie roles and like listening to some of his music. But yeah, so I'm not like super, super duper interested in this. Uh, but uh, how are you feeling about it? Well, I mean, I've, I'm certainly interested and in, in Bowie's just yeah. such an interesting figure and and like mm-hmm. such a creative force uh to when he like the just the decision to debut that you know was it lazarus video right before like to release it when he knew he only had maybe a day couple days left is just so fascinating so um yeah i'm certainly would be interested i haven't seen the first one <laughs> the, you know, the five, david Bowie five years so Maybe I should watch that before I watch David Bowie the last five years, but, uh, you know, I certainly would be interested in that. Uh, we also have coming up Wednesday, January 10th on, uh, on Freeform Alone Together, which is a Lonely Island show with, uh, Esther Pavitsky and Benji Afiala. Uh, Wait, is that an L? Afiala, okay. And, and, uh, Esther Pavitsky and, uh, Benji Afiala. Um, so that's gonna be, um, 
like again, I, I've seen very little of the Lonely Island stuff us outside of like the just the the shorts for HBO, like those comedy. Well, short doesn't feel right, but uh, certainly Tour de Pharmacy felt really long. But uh, that's the only thing I've seen from them. So I'll be interested to see how they do with a half hour show. I've watched the first episode of this, um, and Freeform has made like the next four or six episodes available um and esther we should note is the woman who plays maya on crazy ex-girlfriend oh, okay um yeah uh so that's where you know you'll recognize her from uh but this is sort of a um broad city la sort of version uh but with um a male and female friendship um and it's a lot of like mean stuff back and forth between the two of them and then like older folks commenting on millennials um uh this the pilot does have the best use of Christiella that I've seen in a long time. Um so I really appreciate that. Uh but th- I I like the first episode enough that I'm probably going to watch like a couple more. Um but this also feels like in a lot of ways like we were talking I was mentioning at the beginning of um the podcast when we were talking about Gronish like this again feels like freeform really like stepping up its uh, development slate and trying to appeal to that whole uh, whatever really stupid asinine generational term that they came up with for freeform that I can't remember thank goodness mm-hmm. uh, but it feels like very much an attempt to do that and um, it could probably work uh, it doesn't necessarily feel again freeform branded um, but it's also like I can't think of another channel for this to air on apart from MTV and MTV doesn't want to do scripted programming anymore so there you go there you go. Uh, yeah, nothing will make uh, make me interested in a show like talking of old, <laughs> people of older generations talking about all those millennials. Yeah. But, but I will check it out for Maya. Um, we have coming up on, on Friday the 12th, January 12th, that is uh, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, um, which if I didn't have such negative thoughts about Black Mirror overall might be more interesting because this is sort of like Amazon wants to capture the Black Mirror magic. It's a 10 uh, episode anthology show um, based on some of Philip K. Dick's short stories. Um, so Philip K. Dick, yay! But his stuff has been adapted into really amazing stuff and not that interesting of stuff depending on who's doing the adapting. So yes, there's a uh, Ron Moore episode. There's a Michael Dinner episode. There's a Cranston episode, but like, I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of really talented people, but I'm still not that excited about really anyone doing a, a new version of uh, Black Mirror. No. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't really have anything much to say about this. Um, the idea that there's a, I, I still haven't even really watched Black Mirror. Okay. <laughs> so I'm sort of like, Okay type of thing um i should be excited given like the pedigree that the show has but i just sort of go eh, okay um so yeah i guess we'll see yeah we'll, we'll see so we have a few shows coming back for second seasons uh crashing and divorce on hbo victoria is on pbs um then uh there's and, and taken and the magicians there's plenty of other shows coming back uh i'm more excited about black lightning which is premiering on tuesday january 16th on the cw you've seen this first episode first should two, i be ex- actually oh yeah. first two should i be excited um a little excited um chris williams oh. is hey surprise really good in this um <laughs> i am shocked shocked yeah no everyone will be shocked that chris williams is really great um but 
it's okay. There's a lot of promise in this, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of, there's a, a lot of uh, contrivances. There's a lot of like shortcuts taken in their narrative uh, to get to where they want to go. Um, and then there's just the fact that the second episode suffers really massively from let's do the pilot again. And mm-hmm. so it's tough to recommend based on the first two episodes, as much as I really like Chris Williams, and as much as I really like the fact that because of the story structure in this, that there's very limited amount of time spent superheroing on a lot of time with um, Chris Williams, uh, characters alter ego doing the other stuff so dealing with his family dealing with the principle of being a school and this kind of a thing um so i really like that aspect of it that it sort of leans in a lot more on the part of the berlanti produced superhero dramas that really fade out very quickly Mm -hmm. um so i'm i'm interested in how that's going to be balanced or especially when he (coughs) <clears throat> while Williams' character decides to go whole hog and being Black Lightning again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see how that plays out. So I can't really strongly recommend it based on the first two episodes, but if you love Cress Williams, then I don't see a reason why you shouldn't watch them. Um, for any, like, as just like as a personal sort of side note, for any Atlanta-based um, listeners, um, they get Amanda Davis to be the news anchor for the pilot, for their fictional news program for their city. But Amanda Davis died um, of a massive stroke um, last week. And so it was very weird watching Black Lightning, which was this pilot was shot like sometime last year. And then watching this immediately, like days after Amanda Davis had died um, and going like, oh, that's really, that's really sad. Um, But it was also really nice for the production to have a, like a major still working um, uh, black woman uh, newscaster from Atlanta uh, fill in, do that role for them. So I really appreciated that. Um, And, but yeah, it is a little weird. It's a little weird um, Mm -hmm. to watch that, to watch that. So Atlanta listeners, if you're going to tune in for black lightning in part, uh, be prepared for that. But then also just, they use the same Atlanta locations that literally everyone else does. So I hope you enjoy seeing, uh, downtown Atlanta and that one little strip where, Constantine's bar was or if you watched Baby Driver where he does the little dance to get the donuts and coffee that same strip is used like a gazillion times in this it's where the tank was in The Walking Dead is like the best way I can yeah. describe it for everyone so yeah, yeah. fair enough okay yeah. well yeah that that's you know obviously Chris Williams is really good so yeah. that's what I'm holding on to we'll see how the rest of it goes uh, why don't you take over what's coming the next week all right, After so that. January 17th, which is a Wednesday, uh, the assass- the next installment of American FX's American Crime Story comes in with the assassination of Gianni Versace, um, mm-hmm. to which everyone kind of went, okay, was sort of my response when they announced this. Um, mm-hmm. It's got um, Edgar Ramirez, who's playing Versace, Darren Chris, Penovely, Cruz, and Ricky Martin are also all in it. Um, I'm not really super looking forward to this um i large largely in part because i don't have like any sort of connection and connection idea about versace even having been murdered so mm-hmm. i just went okay um so i'm not like super gung-ho or necessarily all that interested in this how are you feeling about it 
I'm just Edgar Ramirez is really really good, and I haven't he seen is, him in yeah. anything <laughs> since yeah. uh, Carlos. So like. Yay! I'm excited yeah. to see him. But that—that's about it. The, the what was so great about the previous one, uh, the American Crime Story, uh, season one, was the writing. Yes, they had amazing performances, but the reason the actors were able to do so much is because of the writing. So they've got another terrific cast here. But if they don't have the writing, it won't matter. So yeah, I I am not looking for them to capture magic in a bottle twice. They will not be able to. So yeah. can they do something else interesting? Maybe we'll see. Right, and a lot of this also, like, has that air of, like, well, this is something that we wanted to do, but, but we really want to do that Hurricane Katrina season, and that season is not is getting, like, massively overhauled, which is why we're getting this instead. Because um, yeah. I was excited about the Katrina season a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So this is feels like a real step down, um, at least in premise-wise. Um, yeah. So that same day, uh, Corporate, which is a workplace comedy set within a soulless multinational corporation, uh, starts up on Comedy Central. I think you can actually watch the first couple of episodes of this all. Yeah, the first four are already on the Comedy Central app and website. Um, so you can check those out already. Um, my video on demand service, I think, was already pushing a couple of these episodes on me. Um, so I haven't watched this and I haven't been like com- particularly compelled because Comedy Central just isn't on my radar anymore. What about you? Well, I wouldn't be, but Ann Dudek, Lance Reddick, Aparna and Charla. I mean, like, there's yeah. some really funny people. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, The Path also comes back for its third season already. Um, yeah. To which Kate and I <laughs> promptly go, man, we didn't even finish season two. Or Noel yep. didn't even finish season two. I didn't finish so, season two. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, just like, yeah. oh, it's back. Well, that's a lot of pressure to finish season two. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I like those those folks um yeah no um let's see what else we got uh january 18th uh the big uh return i guess is portlandia's final season starts on thursday january 18th so that's exciting you're excited for january 15th and the return of grace and frankie yes 19th sorry 19th yeah 19th um i may just like have someone fill in on the podcast so i just keep watching it (laughs) um that friday and just like get through all of it um also coming back that uh week uh that that friday high maintenance is back on hbo um real time with bill maher if you still care about bill maher for some reason is also back on the friday the 19th sure i no, i really don't um uh, the big thing i think for a lot of us on saturday january 20th will be the uh american premiere of planet earth blue planet 2 um starts up on bbc america so that should be exciting for a lot of us uh you and i both really enjoyed uh the most recent uh planet earth installment um Mm -hmm. so this sounds promising even though like i've read a lot about um planet blue planet 2 uh since a lot of it's already aired or it's complete completely aired over um in uh england and uh, there's some like there's some sketchy stuff happening in this one that's creeping some people yeah. out. So well, this is why like I'm not excited about Blue Planet because yeah. there's creepy shit that lives in the ocean and I don't need yeah. to see it. Yeah, yeah. But I like <laughs> creepy shit that lives in the open. Mantis shrimp are crazy cool. Everyone, I'm sorry, they're cool. They're horrifying as hell, but they're cool. Um, yeah. And then sure, you you enjoy that. 
I'm I will not enjoy watch that. that. Um, so on the 21st, uh, we get two new shows starting up. Um, the counterpart, which is on Stars, has J.K. Simmons in dual roles with like some alt reality type stuff happening. Um, uh, some spy thriller type alt reality stuff with J.K. Simmons, which I'm really looking forward to. You can actually watch the first episode of this already if you have Stars. Um, it's available already. Um, what I'm not excited about in any way, shape, or form is The Resident, which is Fox's new nope. medical drama, which features, <laughs> oh, Emily Van Camp and Matt, last name I Zuchary. never learned how to pronounce, Zuchary. Both of you are so much better than whatever the hell this is, and the pre- trailers for it I, saw, I was exposed to during LA to Vegas did not instill me with any confidence that this is going to be a good show to watch. Um, Get that money while you can. But yeah, this, I, I guess. Yeah. But so how are you feeling about either of these? Are you interested in Counterpart at all? And no. I know you're not interested in, like, The Resident. So you're not interested in Counterpart, though. No. No? Like, J.K. Okay. Simmons is great. Don't get me wrong. But, right. like, it's going to need – a show has to have a lot going for it and be really interesting and inventive and new for me to want to watch – white dude crime show or white dude cop show or like because i've seen a lot of those so like i've already so it's got to be offering something very new and different and if it's like ah see but there's a twist it's like all the reality is like okay but i want more awake just give me more awake that is going to be better than this probably Ah, because it's better than most things and it only got one season um so so like i don't know it just takes a lot for me to be interested in Stuff that I feel like I have already seen, regardless of how terrific the cast is. Yeah, and I understand that. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I just haven't gotten haven't had gotten time to watch the first episode yet. Even yeah, though it's been available since like the middle of December. Um, yeah. why don't you take over for a little bit and tell okay. us about what's starting on Monday, January twenty second. So over on TNT, there's The Alienist, which is from Kerry Fukunaga. Um, it's at his adaptation of, of Caleb Carr's book. Um, yeah, Dakota Fanning's in this. Otherwise, um, yes, there's other, some other good actors. I just, but my thing is Dakota Fanning. Um, but that's outweighed for me by Kerry Fukunaga, who just like, with everything that went down with, um, True Detective. I'm just not that interested <laughs> in him. Um, what about, what about you? Are you looking forward to that one? Uh, I'm already burnt out on this show because TNT was pushing it so hard during Good Behavior that uh-huh. I have no desire to watch it at all. Um, the production design and everything looks really scrumptious. Um, mm-hmm. but the whole, I'm, I'm a, I'm a smart young man that has a new way of tracking serial killers. It's just like, no, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Just I'm give me watch- more, uh. Yeah. Sorry, give, give, give me just give me more of uh, the Groff doing that and I'm fine. Right, exactly. Um but I am much more interested in what HBO is dropping uh uh starting on the 22nd. So why don't you tell me about Mosaic? Yeah, so this is from Soderbergh and Ed Solomon. Um and so Steven Soderbergh is, you know, a very experimental filmmaker uh when he gets like the one for you one for me situation when he's doing the one for him. Yeah. And so this is like it it's like this um, it was a, it released as an app in November, and you could like, wa- like watch some of the story threads on your phone, and it's so, like you can engage with it in different 
like time spans and in different ways. And so this is going to be, it's a mini series that's going like airing over the course of a week. Um, so I don't really know much about it other than there's a bunch of different plot lines that are going to intersect. It's got a really terrific cast. Um, at least the people that I've, that they're, they're listed are, are all very good. Um, so I don't know, but Steven Soderbergh is kind of enough to get me in the door with a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm really excited about like, Sodenberg, like like you said, likes to experiment a lot um, in terms of also like with his ability, because only he really can do a number of things that he talks about that he does, um, particularly like when he was discussing like his ability to get Lucky Logan made and out. But this whole idea of doing, making a lot of the story available sort of on an app that you could delve into as much or as little as you wanted, how you want it, I think is really interesting. But then to sort of do another version essentially of it, I think is also really interesting. So I'm really curious to see how all of this plays out. So this is across like five nights and Friday's episode is t- two episodes long. Two part finale. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you're, we'll, we'll see if I have enough time to watch all of that, but certainly it's, it's intriguing that, you know, anything that Soderbergh is going to find interesting is probably going to be interesting, at least to sample. Yeah. Um, the next day on the 23rd, we have the return of another period, uh, on Comedy Central and Baskets on FX, um, new show premiering. Oh, and, and Drug History is on coming back on Comedy Central and the detour on TBS. These are all Woo! shows at least that I'm interested in. Um, we have, we have the premiere of Bellevue on WGN. This is a Canadian import. Um, and, it's it's a crime show about a detective trying to solve the disappearance of a high school kid and tying back to like a, a cold case and everything. Like I wouldn't care about any of that uh, except it's got Anna Paquin and she's really good. She's um, very good. But we know how I feel about uh, Mary Kills People. It's like, oh, it's a bunch of stuff I'm not interested in. But Carolyn, uh, Caroline de Verna, um, that's going to be enough to – it's not enough to keep me interested. So hopefully it'll – I'll have a stronger connection with this one and I'll stick with this one a little bit more. Are you looking forward to any of those guys? Um, well, I'm excited that the detour is back and to see what they're going to do with their latest detour is always very exciting. Um, more Jerob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and, but I'm not particularly interested in Bellevue at all, um, mainly because it's just like, eh, WGN, I don't really feel like supporting you right now, so, eh. and, yeah. uh, the rest of it, I am, ex- I'm excited that you're excited about Drunk History coming back. So. Yay. At least there's that. On the 24th of January, we have Waco on Paramount, which is a miniseries um, about the, you know, about Waco. Um, then there's Let's Get Physical over on Pop, which is, which is, that's the network that does um, Schmitz, uh, Schitt's, Schitt's Creek and a few other ones. Um, Schitt's Creek is coming back that same day uh, for like season four or something, season five. Um, but Let's Get Physical stars Matt Jones, people enough from Breaking Bad. He was the, like, the stoner guy on Breaking Bad. Um, who is a slacker who's like who's like family or celebrity like a uh, workout in you know like people like aerobics people and so his dad dies and so then he gets into the family business and um so it's it's basically like if you can imagine Matt Jones having to be like an aerobics instructor on a national scale does that seem funny to you check it out um so he's funny uh there's some interesting guests cast that are gonna be showing up um but i probably won't seek it out i'm i i it takes a lot for me to seek out pop yeah i don't even know if i get pop so i'm more excited about the return of drag race all-stars on january 25th on vh1 um we will talk about that when we get a little closer to it like who's on the all-stars 
list this time who's on the the cast i should say um on january 26th we have dirty money which is the alex gibney uh documentary series on netflix um we have a futile and stupid oh that's a movie okay let me cut that we have of course we're very excited about the return of one day at a time for season two on netflix um (laughs) do you care about the alex gibney show or is it mostly just like give me my one day at a time now please Give me my one day at a time right now. I need it in my eyeballs. In my eyeballs. Um, that weekend, we have nothing that we care about. Right? Yes. Why don't you uh, take it? Uh, take over with the next week? Anything else right. coming at the end of January? Or are we over to February already? I think we're over to February. Um, okay. So, yeah. Um, so, over on... Uh, so, February 1st, this is a Thursday... Over on NBC, uh, we've got a new comedy called AP Bio, a would-be philosophy professor um, from Glenn, who's played by Glenn Howerton, who's on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, um, plays a philosophy professor who takes over teaching high school biology as a better, after a better gig um, falls through. So Patton Oswalt is on as the principal. Uh, and there's a couple of other folks. Um, this is produced by Lauren Michaels and um, Seth Meyers. Um, I hadn't even heard about this, though I imagine that if I watch any of the Olympics, I will be immediately tired of it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, are any interest in this whatsoever? Who does Glenn Howerton play on It's Always Sunny? Oh, he's Dennis. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, he's uh, Dee's brother. Okay. I still don't know Do who know, that is. You know, but, <laughs> okay. Well, Caitlin Olsen got her show, uh, the, 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 right. the the Mick. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Miz, but that is a wrestler. Um, and, uh, and and she, it's great for her. It's great exposure, and people seem to like it. And, yeah, she's getting that network money. Um, I'm kind of like, yay, get that network money to Glenn Howerton. Uh, but I'm hoping it'll be a different character. Like, she's basically just playing Sweet D. Uh, having to deal with kids and watered down a bit on the Mick. Um, at least the episodes I've seen. Um, I am not interested in watching a slightly watered down Dennis. So hopefully, Howerton yeah, will show some range here. I think he's capable of it. Whether or not that's what he's being cast as is another question. Um, but very little about. Oh, I was going to be a fancy philosophy professor and now i have to be a bio teacher to these high school kids none of that sounds interesting to me because i have little time or patience for teachers who don't want to be teachers um and who don't prioritize helping their students it's a little bit of an issue for me as a person who teaches people so um yeah i uh i would like to be more excited than i am that makes sense Yeah. yeah Um, so, uh, Friday, February 2nd is actually a really busy, uh, premiere day. Uh, up top, we've got two dope queens on HBO, and this is a adaptation of the comedy storytelling podcast that's hosted by Jessica Williams and Phoebe Robinson. Um, they're doing four hour-long episodes, all of them directed by Tig Notaro, um, that will revolve around a particular theme, and each one has a special interview guest. Um, so John Stewart, Titus Burgess, um, Uzo Dabu, and Sarah Jessica Parker. There's some stand-up performances um, also in there. This sounds kind of interesting. Um, I haven't listened to the podcast at all. Um, mm-hmm. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yeah. No, I've listened to all two queens. Um, okay. Like... I, I'm excited for some of the stand-up comedians they have because, like, Jackie Cation's really funny and Parliament on Charlotte's really fun. Like, the, the comedians they have lined up are good. I don't really need to watch them interview Jon Stewart 
Yeah, no. Or Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I it's just kind of I've seen very few podcasts get successfully turned into shows. Yeah. So it's very true. I'm a kind of raising an eyebrow at this one, though I'm very excited about Jessica Williams and Phoebe Robinson getting an opportunity. Don't get me wrong, they're terrific. Yeah. Um, but I was pretty impressed when throwing shade uh, turned into a really fun and delightful, uh, I think just one season show. I would, if there's a second season, let me know everybody because I want to watch it because I really enjoyed season one. Um, like, cause they did like a, like a news kind of thing and that works really well for the, that show. So it would need, I mean, Tig's involvement is intriguing certainly, but it would take some, if, if it's just basically the podcast, but like we can see that visual. Yeah. Yeah. That's not particularly interesting for me because i'll just be like can i just listen to it while i'm doing the dishes because mm-hmm. you know if i get like if i don't need to watch it then what's the point of it being a show versus the podcast um other than you know getting more audience and money which fair enough but um yeah I, i'm a little i would like there to be a more creative adaptation element to it otherwise i'll just be like i could just be listening to this this is like I wanted there to, it to be a TV show for a reason, I guess. Yeah, I understand that. And I think that's a reasonable thing to have with a lot of these podcast adaptations that are sort of starting to trickle in. Like, I, mm-hmm. as much as I sort of enjoyed My Brother My brother and Me as a television mm-hmm. show, it also just did not need to be a television show in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah. yeah. Um, stuff, stuff you should know, love the podcast, did not need to be a TV show, which is yeah. why it was only one season. And the Josh and Chuck will be the first ones to tell you that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what they do. Yeah. Uh, so also on Feb- uh, Friday, February 2nd on Netflix, Altered Carbon starts up. This is a 10-episode adaptation of Richard Morgan's sci-fi novel of the same name. It's the 25th century, and the entire human mind can be digitized. So people can transfer from one body to another, and they can effectively live forever until someone gets murdered. And then a soldier played by Joel Kinnaman uh, gets his brain released after 500 years to track down the murderer. Why a soldier is doing this, I don't know. Who cares, I guess, is the answer to that. Um, this also stars um, Deichen, um Deichen Lachman. Deichen yeah. Lachman, who's fabulous. So I'm suddenly slightly more interested in this. Um, James Purefoy is also on it, and I'm suddenly significantly less interested in this. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I guess, sure, why not? The premise sounds a little weird, but if anyone can sort of pull it off, it's like Joel Kinnaman, who is tends to be a really soulful actor. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like even in something as inane and bad as Suicide Squad. Um, so I guess we'll see. Any Any thoughts? Well, you keyed into the one name I was interested in. That whole, like, yeah. that whole description there is Deacon Lockman. So, like, I keep waiting for her to blow up and get I know, some more right? chances. She's really good. Um, yeah. and it just hasn't happened yet. Uh, every, I'm so excited, but she's, she always keeps showing up these, like, one episode villains yes. on superhero shows. And I'm like, she can do so much more, guys. Give mm-hmm. her more because she will nail it. But yep. anyway, so yeah, hopefully at least she's good. She'll be good, I'm sure, no matter what. But I would like it if it took off so that so people could see her in it. And since, like, nobody watched Dollhouse. <laughs> and, it's but, true. Uh, it's true. yeah, anyways. Yeah, also new this week, um, this week, today, this was still on Friday, guys. Uh, the Trade is a documentary series that starts up on Showtime. It's a five-part look at the opiate crisis 
in America. This used to have Morgan Spurlock attached to it. Um, <laughs> doesn't anymore. Um, yeah. Also coming back after a two-year hiatus is Strike Back on Cinemax. Uh, so they've got an entirely yeah. new cast. More action stuff happening, I'm assuming. Um, people getting yeah. beaten up. It's What's the point back. with the new cast? I mean, I guess, like, this new cast has just got to be real good if they're going to contend with the previous cast, is all I'm saying. Because they yeah. were very charming. But the stunts and, like, the like effects, like, visual effects and um, just the practical stunts and everything on the show are always insane. So if somebody else wants to take that up, go for it. As long as there's, hope, guys, less torture. Please. Please with the, to- and, like... I really, your show would be better if you didn't always default to just torturing people and having that somehow magically work. Anyways, let's move on, shall right, we? So, yeah, moving on. Um, nothing really big starts until February 9th, which is the next Friday. Uh, the Winter Olympics start. So that's the opening ceremony of the Winter You're Olympics. You're excited? No, I'm not excited. Um, I'm I'm excited for curling. That's the only mm-hmm. thing I'm excited about because I love curling. Because um, you know you got to curl. Jo- there's a Joko song just about curling. It's it's a good. I'll I'll send it to you. Yeah. Anyways, you were saying. So yeah. So I'm excited <laughs> about curling. I'm filling up my DVR and me trying to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. Given the time zone differences, because uh, in case you don't know, the Winter Olympics this uh, this uh, time around are in South Korea. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that starts February 9th, and that basically takes over NBC's um, programming slate, I think. Um, so look forward to not watching anything on NBC for a little while. Um, on Sunday, February 11th, um, Here and Now starts up on HBO. and This is a new drama series from Alan Ball, the guy behind Six Feet Under, and the adaptation of True Blood. This is a darkly comedic look at contemporary society, and in particular, one progressive multi-ethnic family uh, that's led by Tim Robbins and Holly Hunter, both of whom are just wonderful, particularly Holly Hunter. Um... And they have a number of children uh, that they've adopted from around the world. And the other is a Muslim family handed up by a psychiatrist. Uh, Like, based on a premise and Alan Ball's involvement, how are you feeling about this? Yeah. The fact that they're, like, I don't know, just this just screams pretentious and self-important to me. Like, really intensely. To me, it really screams... You know what? What if we did sort of a Jonathan Franzen-esque type of show? And I feel like that's what we're building up to right away. And the fact that the show doesn't seem to think, or maybe it's just the write-ups, but the show doesn't seem to think we need to know who's playing the uh, the the actors who are who are in this who aren't yeah. the white actors is not a good starting point for yeah. that. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also premiering that night on February 11th, um, our cartoon president, which is a 10 episode animated, uh, series, uh, from Stephen Colbert that centers on Donald J. Trump. So in case you missed, that's my Bush from Comedy Central, uh, way mm-hmm. back during the Bush years. Uh, well, and there's Bush. one on Comedy Central now is about there? Trump. Oh, is yeah. there? I had no idea. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. It's a so- live action thing. Yeah. Oh, God, that sounds... Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So I imagine that this... I haven't looked at the trailer for this, but I imagine it takes the animated Donald Trump that they rather routinely use on Colbert's late night show and just put him into a television series. That doesn't sound interesting. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, let's yep. see. Uh, February 14th, uh, skipping ahead a little bit. Um, 
uh, comes this close, which is going to be airing on Sundance um, now, um, is a streaming. So this is, will be on their streaming platform, I guess. Uh, dramedy from mm-hmm. the uh, from two deaf actors, um, and there's very little other information I have on hand. Um, yeah, well, but you know, they're so the create the the actors are deaf. I'm going to assume they're playing deaf characters. Yeah, um, and they're writers and the creators, and they're also starring in it. It's Shoshana Stern and Josh Feldman. Um, and that that's an interesting place to be starting from uh, as a show. It certainly it's an underrepresented voice on TV and or in streaming, so that's interesting. And of course, they're going to bring in some some actors that we that we like so marley matlin's gonna be on there as well as cheryl hines and zach guilford who you know i'm always like is this this is gonna be good zach guilford or is this gonna be <laughs> mi- miscast zach guilford <laughs> hopefully it's good <laughs> um so on february 15th we get a deeply niche in terms of its streaming platform prequel series called stargate origins now you can only watch this on the official Stargate website, Stargate Command. Um, so you get a subscription fee to Stargate Command, and you get a prequel series about the Stargate franchise, which I just assume is Ancient Egypt and Aliens. If I remember my Stargate movie... Yeah. Yeah, correctly? Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Um, Have you not seen Stargate SG-1? Yeah, I have, but like I watched it when it was on Showtime when it trans when I lost Showtime and it transitioned to sci-fi, or I just lost track of it entirely. Oh man, many quality uh, quality you know Saturday afternoons yeah. with SG One on on repeat. So yeah, there's yeah. there's a fun place in my heart for that show, but it's very much based on the team rather than like some of the mythos, sure. But it's my affinity for that show is because of that cast. Uh, so I'm not interested in a prequel at all. That makes sense. I wouldn't be either yeah. in this situation. On February 23rd, Netflix drops uh, Seven Seconds, which, in case you were wondering where Vina Sud was, here it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's adapting a Russian action movie called The Major, and this is a 10-episode series that fo- but focuses on growing racial tensions in Jersey City after an African-American teen is severely injured by a cop. Uh, this has uh, uh, Regina King's heading up the cast, which is makes it immediately more interesting because Regina mm-hmm. King is terrific, amazing, and yeah. so I'm suddenly a lot more interested in this than I was based on we're adapting a Russian action movie that's about racial tensions in Jersey City, to which I just go, okay, everyone, this sure. seems really weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, that starts on February 23rd, but Kate and I will both be spending that weekend watching the second half of season one of The Tick, which uh, starts up on (laughs) February 23rd as well as on Amazon. Indeed. Um, The next week over at uh, Monday, uh, the 26th of February, we have on NBC uh, Good Girls, which is Christina Hendricks. Christina Hendricks, uh, Mae Whitman, and Retta, who are housewives or suburban moms who decide to rob a bank or no, rob a grocery store uh, with with toy guns. And uh, yeah, things go from there. Uh, I really like all three of them. So hopefully that is good. Uh, Any thoughts? I hope it's good, too. That cast is really good because it also has like Matthew Lillard, who has had yeah. like a small renaissance uh based on the bridge so yeah yeah definitely um <laughs> the same right? day 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. That was him, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Over on CBS, we have Living Biblically, uh, which I just immediately don't want to watch. But uh, it's a a multicam about, uh, with Jay Ferguson, who, you know, is from Mad Men and other things, but Mad Men, really, uh, who decides to start living by the the good book. Yeah. Um, and there's some other, you know, Karen, Karen Mannheim, David Krumholtz, uh, it's produced by Johnny Galecki and, uh, yeah. So like, yeah, I just like the idea is adapted from a book, uh, called the, the year of living biblically one man's humble quest to follow the Bible as literally as possible. This just sounds either really, uh, irritating and frustrating or, uh, very just preachy and tiresome so like either way i'm not interested in this one do you have any any thoughts yeah i mean i've read like excerpts from that book um Mm -hmm. and jacobs isn't jacobs is a pretty decent writer i think um Mm -hmm. but i'm not particularly interested in watching this and i can tell you how not interested i am is that cbs at least has the premiere up on their press site and i just went eh, i'm good yeah, I just like the kind of person who would say, you know what I'm going to do? My life's been messed up. I'm just going to follow the Bible literally is not someone I'm interested in. Like yeah. the Bible has a lot of really messed up shit in there. Like yeah. if you're going to be living li- like if you're saying New Testament literally, that's a very different conversation. But still, sure. there's a lot of really messed up stuff, there's a lot of contradictory stuff. I don't need to follow someone like the the travails of someone who thinks it's a good idea to just do whatever the bible says not think for themselves yeah um so moving on same day we have the return of unreal which i look forward to probably not watching that is on lifetime and it's for season three uh caitlin fisherald who uh i think we both but certainly i've enjoyed on masters of sex is is coming in for season three are you gonna check back in no and even if they are doing a bachelorette riff this year Mm -hmm. which is what they're doing um yeah I promptly go, you guys burned all your bridges last year. I'm not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. There are no bridges left. Um, yeah. On the 28th of February, we have The Looming Tower over on Hulu, which is a mini series. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a adaptation of Lawrence Wright's uh, Pulitzer winning uh, account of the, the 9-11 planning and Osama bin Laden's rise through uh, Al Qaeda. Um, so it, it's, you know, that's again it's 10 episodes but i don't know if i want i'm sure it'll be good but i don't know that i necessarily want to put myself through it what do you think yeah i'm i'm probably going to pass on this i'm not i'm not interested in this so Mm -hmm. what about the return of the good fight on sunday march 5th yeah i will totally be there for that um mainly because i still have my cbs all access subscription (laughs) um from uh for star trek discovery so yeah no i'm 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 less enthused about the fact that they just kind of went ah we don't know what to do with barbara colstad so we're gonna we're gonna get rid of um erica tazel and i just went guys you have erica tazel just yeah give her anything use her and it's gonna yes. be good. And it's just like, oh, but we're gonna bring Audrey McDonald. And it just went, oh, this is not okay, guys. You can have both of you them. You can have both. You can have two black women on the same show, and everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyways, yeah. Um, Thursday, March eighth, we have the return of J- Jessica Jones on Netflix. We'll. Yay. I'm looking forward to that. Probably, we'll see. Fingers yeah. crossed. I really, we really like season one. Um, we have the dramatic return <laughs> of American Idol on March 11th. Oh my god! Yeah, like just 
I'm, and it is actually okay. kind of dramatic given how really up the whole process of getting this show back on the air was. <laughs> yeah, but still. Okay. Still, uh, yeah. Same day. I, I will not be watching that at all. I might be watching Instinct on CBS, at least for one episode. This yeah. is basically the, the latest Castle Riff uh, starring yes. Alan Cumming. <laughs> Um, so, so, uh, can, have you seen any of this? Can you tell us about this? Right. So I've watched the first episode of it. Um, and it is indeed, if you miss Castle, Instinct is exactly what you want to watch. Um, mm-hmm. there's, they make very light of murder. Um, this is also from like an adaptation of James Patterson novel. And so it kind of feels within that vein. Alan Cumming plays a professor of abnormal psychology, who's also a, a popular crime criminologist writer type. Um, ah, he so also bones to, too. Bones, but he also used to be a CIA agent. Um, of course, he did. Yeah, that no one seems like super aware of. Um, but he gets lured back into helping uh, because in the first episode, uh, the police, uh, the police, his police partner detective, who he will have absolutely no unresolved sexual tension with Kate because Alan Cummings' character is gay. Hmm. So that takes it all off the table. He's actually in a yeah. very stable, happy marriage at the moment of the premiere. Um, uh, Naveen Andrews plays an old serial of uh, serial plays an old CIA contact of his. Um, but yeah, it's very light. It's very frothy. It's very much in a castle vein. Um, so again, if you miss castle, uh, but the unresolved sexual tension between castle and Beckett wasn't what you came there for, that instinct has you covered on any number of levels. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, it's, it's good. And Alan Cummings a delight in it, but you all already knew that. So yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. On Tuesday, March 13th over at NBC, there's a show that really doesn't want me to watch based on it, based on its description. But then you get to most of the cast and I'm, I'm like, ah, they're going to draw me in. So this is about a, oh God, just even, okay. So this is based on a book, which is based on a true story. Uh, the book is called Drama High. It's by Michael so- uh, Sokolov. Um, and it's from Jason Kadams, right? We who Parenthood and Friday Night Lights. Josh Radner, though. Josh Radner. Radner. First, you're getting me out. You're getting me out the door here. But he starts as a teacher at a small town school that's gonna turn the school around with by taking over the drama department. They're gonna do a musical, and that's gonna turn. It's gonna save the drama club. It's like, oh god, no! I really don't want to watch this. But they're gonna have Rosie Perez and uh, uh, I can't pronounce her name. The, the the young woman who played Moana, um, Ali Cravalho or whatever, who's just lovely. And like we saw her sing at the Oscars, and you're like, you just got hit in the face, and you kept going. That's a pro move for a 16 year old, uh, for anyone really. Um, but yeah, just like Josh Radner as, as the earnest teacher saving the drama club. Like no, just. just just, just no. I don't think Rosie Perez is enough to get me to watch. No, 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 no. Okay. No. We also it's have not, not enough. To- no, Josh Radner's <laughs> presence just like no, no. Yeah, it's just, it's just going to be really insufferable, Ted. It's going to be a really mm-hmm. insufferable Ted performance. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
It's not that I couldn't see enjoying Josh Render in something else, just not in this, not in the Matthew Morrison Glee role. Um, yeah. Okay, moving on. Wednesday, March 21st, over on Sci-Fi, uh, Krypton, which is the prequel series uh, from David Escoyer. I don't, that's enough for me to know I'm not going to watch. Are you going to watch? No, I have zero interest in this, especially when I have Supergirl on. So Yeah. Next up is Trust over on FX, uh, which is about the kidnapping of John Paul Getty in 73. Um, that, that's that movie, that's out right now, the Ridley Scott movie, is also based on this story. Um, anyway, so this is from Danny Boyle, which is, he directed the first three episodes of it. Um, and we got Donald Sutherland, um, Michael Asper, Harris Dickinson, Hilary Swank, uh, Brendan Fraser. Any of these shows that feel the need to tell us about, like, four dudes and one lady in their cast, like, immediately turns me off of the show. But, um, like, maybe there's other female characters that are prominent. They just didn't hire famous people for them. But, like, I kind of doubt it. Anyways, um, yeah, I'm not... Just off of, like, yes, these are very talented people. Danny Boyle is very interesting to me as a, as a director. That almost gets me in. And Hilary Swank, too. But I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I'm not that interested um, in it. But just talking about, uh, this is going to be a, a series that would continue if it, if it does well and look at different parts of that family's history. Um, but I don't really care about the Gettys that much. Yeah, I'm the same way. And so I'm not interested in this. Yeah. Um, so we have on March 26th on AMC, The Terror, which is a 10 episode ad- adaptation of uh, of Dan Simmons' novel. It's gonna, it stars uh, Jared Harrison by Menzies and Kieran Hines, who are, again, but listening to a bunch of dudes and no ladies, but they're all really good actors. Um, and usually underused and underappreciated actors. But uh, this is looking at the, the Royal Navy's 19th, uh, the Royal Navy's search for the Northwest Passage in the 19th century. Um, and that, that which case, fair enough, it makes sense it's all dudes. But um, yeah, so I, I don't care about this subject, but I really like those actors. Uh, how do you feel about it? I, I'm also like I, I'm fascinated by the subject and I also really like those actors so I may come in for like a couple episodes for this but yeah. I'm all, I can also see this going very poorly very quickly mm-hmm. so yeah Rome we'll reunion though right come on yeah no no kidding <laughs> um, on March reunions <laughs> it's exactly on March 27th which is the Tuesday over at ABC we're gonna have the re the Roseanne uh reunion um is this season or episode or like movie thing uh is the whole I season I think it's I think it's a uh like a series yeah it's gonna be a couple okay. of episodes yeah okay well they're bringing back the whole cast they're bringing back both Beckys as I recall Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the, Roseanne is, is a big kind of hole in my TV knowledge. I'm, I should know more about it than I do. Um, but yeah, so I, I they're going to just ignore the finale of the show. Um, and just come, yeah, just come back with it. But I, I just, I don't get all this, this let's remake and bring back every 90s show and hope we catch, you know, spark TV magic again. Um, but Maybe they'll have something interesting to say. The original Roseanne had interesting things to say. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And maybe this will, but I'm I'm really hesitant about this. Like, I'm just really hesitant about it, so. Yeah. I'm not hesitant about the return of the Americans on March 28th, uh, or a series of unfortunate events on, on Netflix on Friday the 30th, uh, though I don't expect it to be particularly great i think it'll be fun and interesting uh, are you gonna watch jesus christ superstar live on nbc on april 1st 
I mean, they got maybe. John Legend playing Jesus. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't know uh, if he's got the range. Yeah, maybe. Um, my person is uh, was actually talking to me about Alice Cooper on Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, mm-hmm. So I was actually sort of like, oh, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. I'm yeah, I'm sort of like okay, yeah. And we're capping it at uh, at April, so we'll come back with more maybe when we get towards the spring. But there's there's a lot of premieres that'll change between now and then, so so we'll leave it off off there, listeners. Um, let us know what you're most excited about in the next several months. If there's any shows we didn't talk about or any things that uh, you're looking forward to coming back that uh, we haven't mentioned, if we haven't mentioned it, we're probably not going to be covering it week to week unless you reach out and you really want us to, then maybe we will. Um, so fair enough to say it's really just like one day at a time and then there's a bunch of other stuff that's happening. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nothing else yeah. matters. I may just... And The Tick. The Tick is also coming back. Okay. Which we're yeah. excited about. So Jessica Jones. There's a few. There's a yeah. few. But anyways. Uh, yeah. Well, so on that note, I guess let's wrap it up. We've been going for quite a while for us. Now, now that we're... we're I'm getting used to these shorter episodes. I say after our, like, super long last episode, of yeah, course. Yeah, I was about to say. But yeah, no, this was sort of a long <laughs> episode for us um, when we were, like, really booking it through some stuff. Yeah, so so we'll let, let's let's uh, wrap it there. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. What you thought? Uh, what you think of the upcoming shows that are happening in the next few months? You can email us theteleverse at gmail dot com. You can reach out at uh, Facebook, like the page, start up a conversation there, or you can find us in iTunes with an M four A chaptered feed or and an MP three unchaptered feed. We're also up in Stitcher, and of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel. You are. I am at Noel R K. And thank you as ever, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.